You're tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. This podcast will contain strong language and spoilers for decades-old media properties. Welcome, everybody. This is the podcast where we examine pop culture franchises of the VHS era and improv new stories right now off the dome to imagine how we might improve our favorite movies, TV, and games. I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we were raised by rentals. Mike, it's our fourth episode. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> we made it to the fourth episode. I think we're doing we're doing pretty good so far. We're on a pretty good uh, pretty good roll, I would say. Absolutely. Uh, I've gotten some really good feedback. It seems like we've got some people who are enjoying the show and enjoying our format. I know I'm enjoying the hell out of it, so we're going to keep it rolling. Um, But we are going to do one thing a little bit different today, because when this episode comes out, it should coincide with our birthday week. World! Uh, (laughs) Oh. uh, Other than the obvious, like you know, retro theme of the show, I, I, we we don't need to talk about how many how many years that is. Um, <laughs> I think people can guess uh, what generation we fall into. Uh, but yeah, you know, our birthdays are uh, on the same day, which is uh, interesting and one of those things we talked about. I think the first time we met, like, it sort of came up as a weird coincidence. It, um, yeah, and I actually remember the conversation really well because we were talking about, like, I was talking about my birthday. And and then you were talking about yours, and I said, yeah, it's February 3rd. And you were like, yeah. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you were like, no, that's my birthday. And I'm like, no, wait, what? What? That's my birthday. <laughs> it was totally like we were both confused at what the other one was getting at. Yeah. See, I knew that you would remember those details because you have a much better memory for those sort <laughs> of like uh, those like situational memories than I do. Um, I, I the way I remember it is I don't even remember that part of the conversation, but I remember sitting in that Denny's in Niagara Falls that yep. uh, you, you and Mike and Josh uh, and Dawn had a great uh, chat about on the uh, <laughs> Count Creepyheads Saturday morning monster mash recently. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> sitting in that I was listening to the episode and I'm like, yeah, I remember sitting in that Denny's. And uh, I knew Paul Yates and you knew Paul Yates. I was in a band with him and you worked with him. And I remember we were in that like corner booth right by the front door. And I don't know why I sat there. I think maybe because Paul was there and somehow comics came up and you mentioned something about Preacher. And I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, I remember Preacher. I never really read it, but I worked at a comic book shop when I was like 15. And I remember like seeing it on the rack and it was like on that vertigo top shelf that I never really got into that much when I was at that age. And we just got to talking about comics. And it was just like I feel like we we knew each other for years after (laughs) after a couple of hours, you know, (laughs) exactly. So strange to have that memory back, man. The Denny's days, so weird. <laughs> it really is. It was a strange. I feel like we one day need to have just a special where we talk about stuff of our youth. Yeah, <laughs> just, that was a really weird time, but it was interesting. Yeah, it was. It was, and listening to again with Don and Josh because I wasn't really in that circle, so they had like different experiences than I do did. Mm-hmm. So it was it was interesting listening to that creepyhead episode, and they were mentioning some of the stories, and I'm like, oh man, I could tell you some stories. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we thought, hey, it'd be fun to do a birthday special, uh, and and by that, really just you know whoever's birthday it is gets to pick the topic, you know, right. no matter what, no matter what, without really 
discussing it too much ahead of time. But since we both had the same birthday, it's like, well, <laughs> who gets to go? <laughs> um, but you had a really good, great idea uh, about a franchise that I'm not uh, as big of a fan of. We'll say that I'm a big fan, but not nearly, you know, the the huge aficionado that you are. So I was like, cool, you take this one. I'll take the back seat and uh, I'll do you know my special either next time or maybe I'll do like an unbirthday thing in the summer. You know, it's like six months from now, whatever. I'll, we'll figure yeah. it out. But uh, this this will be this will be your thing today. Uh, so what's uh, what's cooking in that twisted little brain of yours this time, Mike? <laughs> well, uh, this is kind of a little bit of podcast synergy here because over on the Boogeyman's Closet we also do birthday specials, and uh, this year I decided not to torture my co-hosts and pick a movie that only I like. Um, but I figured I would pick a film that everybody enjoys. So on the Boogeyman's Closet, we decided to cover uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, the original, for my birthday special. So nice. I figured, over here, why don't we discuss bringing A Nightmare on Elm Street back successfully? <laughs> because <laughs> they tried really hard with that remake. And while I enjoyed it, I know you enjoyed it, and I know plenty of people who dug it, pop culture as a whole said, no thank you. Um, so I would like to see how could we bring freddie back and do it properly where we could build a franchise on it afterward so it isn't just like a you know nail in the coffin type let's finish up the series this is how can we rebirth this franchise while pleasing the old fans and giving something new so i think i have a fun little seed of an idea and uh so to, to start it off, we'll just go, we'll just assume that most people listening to this have at least seen the films, but uh, just kind of a recap. There were, there were six main films in the series leading up to Freddy's dead, which was the sixth entry. Then we had a new nightmare, which kind of reimagined the franchise as a, uh, as more of a, like Freddy is the boogeyman, you know, and he was haunting mm -hmm. the, the real life actors and, you know, Wes Craven, the director, and everybody else. So <clears throat> that was kind of, it was almost like an early idea of a horror remake, and I love it. And then we eventually got Freddy vs. Jason, where they brought Freddy back to life, you know, along with Jason, um, only to questionably kill them both again. <laughs> <laughs> and we never got the proper sequel to that. We did get it in comic book form, mm -hmm. and it was awesome, but we didn't get the, the proper planned film sequel. And then eventually we got the remake, which, like I said, flopped. So my idea to start us off, I'm just I'm just going to jump right in if we're cool. OK, yeah, let's so, go for it. All right. <clears throat> so without giving too much away at the start, I'm just going to jump into the first scene that came into my head. I want to start the movie with with a young boy named Robert. Um, he's going to be in school and he's going to run across a bully. Now, this bully is going to threaten to kick the crap out of him. Teachers will break it up, et cetera, et cetera. And he'll be kind of do that thing of like, you're dead after school, that whole thing. So now we're going to show Robert watching the clock, terrified. You know, bell's going to ring. He's going to run out to his bike, take off. The bully and his friends are going to chase him down, corner him in an alleyway, and surround him. He's going to, you know, beg, you know, beg not to do this, that, and the, this, that, and the other. They're going to, you know, the bully will grab him by the throat raise his fist and we're going to see that he's got yellow eyes and gnarled teeth. Robert's going to wake up screaming bloody murder. So clearly having a nightmare. Now who's going to rush into his room, but one Maggie Smith, mm. AKA Caitlin Kruger. 
That's right. Yeah, that's right. Or Kath, that's Catherine right. Kruger. Sorry. Catherine Kruger. Yeah, yeah Catherine Kruger. Oh man, I, I didn't want to didn't, didn't want to interrupt you. I was so tempted to make like a Scott Ferkus joke about like yellow eyes. <laughs> yes, I'll be honest. That's where I was coming from. I'm like, but how many times did they depict Freddie with yellow eyes? And I'm like, true. Yeah, dude, we got to do a bully. So Robert is going to uh, this. I had to laugh at because you know Maggie Smith, Robert Smith. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, but. Uh, Caitlin or keep saying Caitlin. Catherine Kruger is his mom, so this okay. is technically Freddie's grandson. That's right. So okay. that's where we start the movie. So the fans that know will know. Like we'll see. You know, it's, yeah. it's it's Maggie. Now we're gonna fast forward. You know, she we're gonna find out is on hypnosil. She okay. hasn't been dreaming. She hasn't given her father a way back in. But now her son's having nightmares. And maybe okay. he's a little too young to have Hypnocell. But as we learned in the Freddy mythos, the only thing that can defeat Freddy is if they forget. That's right. Yeah, yeah. They so, did that in a few of the previous movies. Now, we have several survivors. In fact, I have a list of survivors because I want <laughs> to touch on some of them. Oh, nice. Um, <laughs> but so the idea is that the only way to defeat Freddy for good is to, to not be afraid. He's the boogeyman. Oh. Mm-hmm. So you can't remember him. But if he finds a way in, you know, he'll start to gain his power back. But yep. here, here's the other important thing. We learned in the mythos in part six that he needs a family member to give him power. He needs to, to basically use their mind, use their body as a vessel to get out of where he was trapped. In the films, he was trapped in Springwood. So... We find out in part six, he says every town has an Elm Street. And I looked it up. There are over 1,070 Elm <laughs> Streets across the country. Nice. Which will play in very strongly to this concept. So the idea here is going to be something that Robert England himself had said he would like to see done to the franchise. And that is to have a bunch of different actors play Freddy. Oh, okay. And the reason being, fear is subjective. The boogeyman is going to be what you are afraid of. So think about this. Freddy's already shown that he has, he'll appear as whatever he wants to appear in your dreams. So like he appeared as Tracy's father in part six and, mm. you know, he appeared as, as um, uh, was it Kirsty's father or father, mother in part three, you know, like he appeared how many mm. times as Nancy's dad or mom, you know, like he can appear yeah. whatever you're afraid of, whoever you're afraid of. So why not, have obviously Robert England would have to have some kind of cameo, whether it's in or out of the makeup. Mm -hmm. or even, Jack, just a, even just a voiceover. Right. Have Jack Earl Haley come back as, as one of the Freddies. Um, Wes, yeah. Wes Craven originally said he wanted an older man to play Freddy, like a grandfather figure to play Freddy. But mm -hmm. when a, you know, an old man put on the makeup, he said it was too like too kindly. He, he you know, it was like, it didn't, mm -hmm. didn't work. But one of the original actors that he wanted to have play Freddy was David Warner. So David Warner's 80. Bring David <laughs> Warner and have him play a version of Freddy. You know, there was a look of Freddy that was in a scaly cap with a sleeveless shirt on. Have some dude dress up like that. Have the young bully from Robert's dream be a Freddy. You know, have all these different Freddies. But here's how we tie it all together, right? Mm -hmm. Every town has an Elm Street. What if it wasn't just happening in Springwood? What if it was happening all across the country? And we find out, because remember, the very first movie looks like it takes place in California. 
It does, yeah. You it's know, like palm trees, even though it's supposed to be in Ohio. Right. Well, because at the time they hadn't set up. In fact, they they even talk about like there was a cut line where they were talking about an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's like originally it was gonna be California, and uh, there was also they they talk about the valley at one point. Um. So it was supposed to be California, but. You know, they threw the films, whatever, somebody decided Ohio at some point, so now it's in Ohio. But the, uh, some of the Freddy novels, uh, I want to say it was, um, oh, God, what was it? It was the first Black Flame Nightmare on Elm Street novel. It does take place in California, and these girls bring Freddy back, you know, to try to use as their personal, you know, dream assassin. Sure. Uh, and it takes place in California. So my, my idea here is that we're going to find out that even the remake works in this timeline because we're going to have Quentin and Nancy from the remake survivors, mm-hmm. survivors of, of, you know, the attack yep. be on a different Elm street in a different city. Okay. So, yeah. I want to bring back the survivors and see how they deal with their own personal Freddy. Okay. Yeah. No, I think this is awesome. Yeah. I have, I have a lot of ideas <laughs> right off the bat. <laughs> yeah. A lot of ideas, a lot of things I think we can, we can kind of go back and explain a little bit too. Uh, yeah. You mentioned some of the survivors and some of the previous movies. Um, uh, Carlos was another one from part six, whose mom was like the person he was afraid of, or maybe it was his yep. grandma. Right. But somebody who was like uh, sticking those like big Q-tips in his ears, poor guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I, and I'm a big fan of making a remake or a reboot, you know, something that can fit within the larger franchise. Uh, you know, I'm, I've, I'm on record way back in our first episode that I think that the Friday the 13th uh, remake from 2009 fits just fine into the overall timeline, you know, with a couple of tweaks to ignore a couple of little details, but whatever, it's Hollywood. You know, these things right. rarely line up. You know, I, I, w- <laughs> I think it's funny how, how, especially in the Friday the 13th series, how so much of what we think of as canon in terms of who Jason is and who his family is and his origin story, so much of that is actually just head canon or fan canon where people mm-hmm. have pieced things together and they've sort of uh they do a sort of marvel no prize concept of well it had to have been this way otherwise this with detail wouldn't make sense and these things don't really contradict each other because if you think about it this way you know there's this yep. concept of <laughs> we know he has a healing factor from part 10 so well he must have used the healing factor to survive the quote-unquote drowning in the first movie and that's how he's back and that's how he looks different and Blah, 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 blah. And I think every Jason fan knows that that's the story of his background, if you're a big Jason fan like me. But, like, that's not really explicit in any of the movies, right? So yes. I think there's there's a lot of room here to do something very similar where we can kind of, like, fudge the details a little bit and take sort of some of what we know about Freddy and and just expand on it right into a larger, a larger uh, canon for who and what underline what freddy really is um Mm -hmm. and using that remake i think is an interesting uh twist because there's a couple of things in there we're gonna kind of have to explain away right um the fact that if that's if it's if it's a different freddy krueger then why are there two care two people that are so similar right similar name similar backstory whatever if they are different and if they are the same then you know, why is it different, right? Why is the Jackie Earl Haley Freddy so different than the Robert England Freddy? Even like the timeline is kind of off, right? Oh, I, I, I already got an idea, but go okay, good. Yeah, no, yeah, well, go ahead. You, you jump he, in. Here's the thing. We, we, we look at uh, part six, they, they bring in the dream demons. So we find out that there was this actual demonic entity um, that gave, 
you know, Freddy Krueger his powers, right? Um, so, and then in, in the remake, or not the remake, the um, uh, uh, New Nightmare, we find out from Wes Craven saying that there's always been this evil, like this evil has always existed and it takes on a new form. There so here, here's the thing. What if the one thing all of these men have in common, because come on, like, I know, you know, the name Freddy Krueger is kind of, uh, you know, kind of original and all that, but there's got to be more than one person named that. I mean, I've already met two other Mike Alvarez's, so, you know, it's like, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I don't know any other Josh Strasburgs, but I get Google alerts for him all the time. There's some rest, <laughs> wrestler in like Minnesota or something. Right. So, I mean, there's people named the same thing all the time, but what if the one thing they all have in common is the murder of innocence? You know, okay. corruption of innocence. And yeah. that's what the demons are attracted to, and that's who they're giving their power to. Well, what about this? And, and, and this, it helps that I just recently rewatched uh, most of the movies. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to back up just a second before I, I kind of give my what if on like why there are you know, multiple Freddies. Um, but one of the things that I noticed watching the first six movies, basically back to back and, you know, adding in some of the elements from New Nightmare and the remake as well. But there, there is a much more of an overarching story through this first six movies than I think I remembered. You know, I don't, Mm -hmm. I I don't know that I really thought of them as being that closely tied together other than the fact that yes, uh, was it three, four and five are kind of a trilogy, you know, and that there are those recurring characters like Kristen and Alice and, uh, you know, some of the some of the ways that they defeat Freddy are kind of similar, like they're all kind of related to each other. And there's the there's the the story of Amanda. Amanda right? mm-hmm. This is Amanda Kruger, who is his yeah. mother. Right. And so for anyone who doesn't know the backstory, which we don't really get the full backstory until the sixth movie where you see all the pieces of it. Right. Yep. But, you know, correct me if I'm wrong at any point. I'm going to make this brief. But basically, the backstory is that uh, Amanda Kruger was a nun working at uh, a mental institution, and there was a particular ward where all of the like most violent uh, patients were being kept. And this was decades ago at a time when people with mental illnesses were not treated with the type of respect that we see now in the in the USA. Uh, so they were basically just like put into this like prison ward, all kind of together. And she gets locked in there mistakenly over a holiday break when the employees are gone and there's like over 100 guys in there, uh, you know, who are uh, violent uh, uh, criminals with like mental uh, health issues. And, you know, she's uh, repeatedly, you know, sexually assaulted. Uh, yes. And and eventually she she becomes pregnant. She has a child. Uh, she gives the child up for adoption, I assume, even though they never really say that specifically, but as a nun, she doesn't raise him. And we see he has a stepfather later on. Um, but so, so she gives him up for adoption, but right from the very get go, like, it seems like the entire town of Springwood knows who he is because even when he's a little kid, people are chanting and making fun of him as, you know, the son of a thousand maniacs or a son of a hundred maniacs rather. Um, so it's like, he knew his own origin story as a kid because people bullied him over, over the idea, um, that, uh, he was, you know, obviously that's biologically impossible, right. To be the son of a hundred (laughs) people. Like it was one of those guys. And we see in, I think it's in part five where Robert England plays one of the inmates, uh, himself. Right. So he's kind of (laughs) like fathering himself, (laughs) Uh, <laughs> He's his um, own dad. But you know, in the in the mythos of Freddy, like I wouldn't I wouldn't put it past because there's this weird story where somehow Freddy's mom is like helping uh Alice get pregnant with like Freddy's kid and it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's very weird. Um but 
so yeah, so he basically grows up like twisted and evil and, and mentally ill himself, partly because of his upbringing and the fact that he had this abusive stepfather played by Alice Cooper, uh, who, side note, we have got to get Alice Cooper to play one of the Freddies. Like, gotta yes. do that. We have yes. to do that. <laughs> that would be so cool. <laughs> There's so many great cameos in part six, too. Like, you know, I forgot Roseanne, Roseanne and Tom Arnold are in that. <laughs> and and uh, Johnny Depp comes back and makes a little cameo uh, yep. as a callback to his first major movie being the, the original Nightmare. And uh, anyway, so... He's the son of a hundred maniacs, and he's obviously immortal. And then in part six, we learn about that there are these supposed dream demons who are these like ancient supernatural beings that give. They chose Freddy because he was like the most evil, most despicable human on the planet at the time. Like they 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 sought him out to give him these powers and their demons. So you know their only motivation is evil and kill people. But obviously, there's like some limitations to it, which we can get into. But I say all of that to say, you know, did the dream demons choose him after he was killed by the murderous lynch mob of the parents of the children that he murdered as a human? And he came back to life as a dream being because the dream demons gave him power or did, were the dream demons there all along? Right. Mm-hmm. Because I, th- I think you can we can we can give the dream demons more agency in the story if we think that how did amanda kruger get locked in that ward why was she there maybe there was some sort of a supernatural um uh, uh business at work right some like that it, it was it was engineered or manipulated to happen so that freddie would be conceived in that way in such a horrible horrible way because these demons wanted freddie to exist you know and he bec- he becomes the freddie of I guess he was probably born in the 60s, right? Or yes. or, or or the late or 50s. 50s uh, yes. Yeah, right. So then maybe there's another Freddy who's born in like the 80s, and and that's the Jackie Earl Haley one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or more, I guess in the 70s. I'm 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 obviously not good at math. <laughs> <laughs> right. So like, right. W- wouldn't wouldn't it be interesting if like there there really is more than one Freddy because the dream demons aren't finding him; they're creating him. I love it. Here, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, let's let's take a little bit of new nightmare in here. There's you know, they talk about the the evil. They just talk about it as an evil entity. What if the dream demons mm-hmm. are just that they are the evil entity that that is that okay. is the thing behind everything. So it's it is the boogeyman. You know, it sure. can appear as a multiple ver- like multiple spirits. It can appear as, you know, a single entity that looks like Freddy, you know, if it wants to, um, you know, this scarred up nasty monster. Um, or it could just be some kind of shadow being like, you know, that every time when you're when you're just falling asleep and you think you see something move across the room and it's in shadow, maybe that's the thing. You know, that's that. Evil. Sure. Um, so, yeah. So it's it's been engineering this, you know, just injecting evil into into the, the human world for for maybe like eons. You know, it's been doing this all throughout time. It's been creating mm-hmm evil people to terrorize humans and why what what's the one key factor what's the one uh like um uh what's the the connective tissue between all this when you have a traumatic experience what usually happens you have bad dreams you can't get over it your subconscious thinks about it so this creature this demon is fueled by fear it's it is the boogeyman 
Yeah, it's it's fueled by fear, uh, you know, fueled by human trauma. So it's literally generating its own food source. It's, you know, injecting this hatred into into the world of man to create these personal boogeymen who will then, you know, terrorize people, give them bad dreams, which will then feed it to create more monsters to create more bad dreams. Okay, yeah, there you go. That's awesome, right? So our boogeyman is not, like you said, it's not like it's a single mind. It's more like a hive mind. It's a gestalt, right, of Mm -hmm. all all these different, what we saw as multiple dream demons in part six. You know, and they were called that because that doctor at the hospital called them that because they were in some painting that he had. But we don't really know that that's what they even are. Like, maybe they're not. I think it's Sumerian dream demons or something like that. Something like that, right? And it's like that's what we know that we know what they are because that's what he explained uh, to the audience. But you know, to your point, like maybe they're not. That's not exactly accurate, right? Yes, they're dream demons in the sense that they feed off of fear, and fear is is made in an abundance during nightmares. So that's like the best way to get you know the fear that they need that they're, they're like fear vampires and they right. feed off the humans and the best way to do it is while they're asleep not only because they're generating like you know uber levels of fear during these uh nightmares because they're so uh irrational but mm-hmm. also because while in sleep that's when they're their minds are connected to whatever supernatural realm where, you know, this boogeyman uh, uh, entity is from, right? Whether, whether it's heaven, hell, the other, you know, whatever, whatever this realm is. And we know that there's like uh, non evil, I'll say people in that realm, because we saw the ghost of Freddie's mom, Amanda Kruger. We saw Mm -hmm. the spirits of the victims, right. Who were either being tormented or being freed. We saw, scenes in various movies of uh you know when freddy is defeated he loses the souls that he's collected and they go off to some bright light whatever that bright light is you know right so there's some kind of a supernatural realm here and maybe we can kind of explain that the dreams are important because that's when humans on the physical realm are connected to the spiritual realm like so your brain becomes the sort of conduit to go back and forth right well let's 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 just break this down for a second there, there's a lot of myths throughout human history and there's other films mm. that touch on this like the insidious franchise there where you when you dream your spirit is, is is basically what you're seeing is what your spirit is seeing while it's connected to the spirit world mm-hmm. you know so basically uh like dreams are kind of our like our vision into the spirit world that's happening around us at all times so okay. it, it's like it is this persistent world between reality and and the afterlife where it's like demons and angels and all sorts of stuff you know whatever whatever you believe it all kind of it it culminates in that world and dreaming is our connective tissue to it uh because you know everybody has a soul that whole thing like especially Mm -hmm. if we're playing with the mythos of the nightmare on elm street franchise there's a lot of uh religious you know imagery in those films so Mm -hmm. if if we're gonna be playing in that world like, yeah, it would make sense that that dreams uh, would have all of this spiritual aspect, considering all of the many myths and stories about that that already exist. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think this needs to be a sort of like good versus evil, you know, black versus white, you know, sort of uh, that the classic age old spiritual battle. But we don't have to get into any specifics as to like what no. it is exactly. Right. But yeah. I think you're right. I think that's important. And I think it's 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 an interesting to, to note, too, that Freddie 
as some kind of a earthly avatar for this boogeyman uh, gestalt creature, he has his limitations, right? He's limited to the dream to an extent, right? We can talk about that, right? (laughs) Um, And he's been defeated several times, but always temporarily, right? So he's got some limitations, but, you know, the boogeyman either shouldn't or if we're going to, you know, explore this uh, sort of like, boogeyman plague right or whatever as we spread it across the country we'll kind of need to talk about like you know are there limitations or is there some kind of a weakness and what is that because we need to have some way to obviously ultimately defeat it and like we can kind of get to the ending right i'm just trying to think as we lay the groundwork you know is this some sort of a all-powerful dark god you know the black side of the yin yang kind of you know uh, of reality the good right. versus the bad or is it some kind of a let's call it a limited entity in the way that you think of it as like the christian devil you know where it's like okay. the christian devil is not a god it's but it's it's a an almost, you know, all-powerful uh, evil being, but it, it has weaknesses that are defined. You know what I mean? Okay. I think uh, I think that we we do play it off as almost like another type of a god, um, because there are multiple religions, you know, including the the original Bible that do mention other gods. Um, so what if this mm-hmm. thing is is some kind of like almost like a parasitic entity that's just feeding? On, on mankind and here here are the two ways to kind of, uh, of defeat it is to not be afraid and how do you not be afraid you forget so we we've already uh, established that oh. mythos <laughs> that you if you forget you're not afraid so That's there's true. that and as far as like the quote-unquote defeating but he always comes back like we've again using the mythos of the films we've learned that people can pull stuff out of that realm they mm-hmm. can actually pull things from the the spirit world slash dream into reality and kill it because freddy has been dismembered blown up killed how many times in the real world and defeated even if just momentarily but long enough for our uh, heroes to uh, uh, to escape his grasp so it's almost like it wounds the thing because you know they they overcame their fear and it, fee- it it get, it draws its strength from their fear. So when they stop being afraid and then can then can forget about it, it kind of withdraws and shrivels. So it has to have yeah. its little tentacles like reaching out into all of the the different Elm Streets of the world. And I don't know what, how much we want to get into the the details of why Elm Street. Like you know may, maybe it's like um what, what's what are those what are the what are the uh, oh god like the Roanoke thing um was it ley lines or whatever. <laughs> Oh yeah, you know, the lead lines. Yeah, there's yeah. there's like this these ancient beliefs that there the there are these sort of like lead lines or these like uh, lines of like latitude or longitude that are like spiritually drawn across the earth that a lot of like ancient religions you know have some kind of uh, um, importance uh, uh, attributed to those lines. Like you'll hear people talk about how oh well if you look at a globe there's like a triangle between like the pyramids in South America and the pyramids in Egypt yeah. and like the North Pole or whatever the hell like people. You can make up, you, you can make up oh, whatever yeah. you want, but yeah, but but it is an ancient concept that somehow there, it's it's the idea of this like sacred geometry that the entire Earth, uh, you know, can be fit into that belief system that there is like there there it's not random, but there is a, an order to the universe, and even you can uh, apply that to the world as a whole. 
Okay, so yeah, so let let's say just for the sake of the the show, we'll say that all of the Elm Streets happen to coincide on something like that, where it is some kind of conduit, like that this mm-hmm. thing can use to strike fear into into people. So you know, for whatever reason, whether it be the Jack Earl Haley Freddy, you know, the Robert Englund Freddy, one of the new Freddies that we're going to introduce. Whatever it is, like maybe they were they all lived on an Elm Street. Maybe that's why it was able to get in and influence or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe one of their victims that I don't know how how much detail we want to get into there. But I think that would just be fun to have that one connective tissue between all of the different characters. Yeah. You know that that. Yeah. Like in various states and various you know places all around the country. Like, oh, shit, that happened on an Elm Street as well. Like, I think it would just be kind of a fun little nod. No, you're, you're totally right. Especially since the characters within within the universe, uh, Wes Craven's A New Nightmare aside, you know, kind of playing <laughs> with the playing with the fourth wall and the, the division of fictional versus reality. But the characters within the universe itself don't know about a movie franchise called A Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, so they may have heard of Springwood, but let's not forget multiple times within the franchise, uh, there has been a concerted effort to make people forget about Freddy Krueger and Elm Street. We saw it happen in Jason versus Freddy and in Freddy's Dead part six, like people want, and in the remake, right? People want uh, people to uh, you know within the world they want everyone to forget about Springwood and, and Elm Street. It, it becomes a bit of a conspiracy at one point that we need to need to wipe this guy from the face of the earth because either because the characters are just trying to forget their trauma and they want to move on with their lives, or on some level they understand that the opposite of you know fear is ignorance. Right. That that that's that's what we're getting at here. Is you're saying that in order to defeat freddy or the boogeyman we have to forget about him which means that the boogeyman is thriving on knowledge and i just immediately yeah. start thinking about well, well this is like a whole garden of eden like tree of knowledge and good and evil like oh, meta- metaphor right now so yes. fo- follow me on this one so what if that the tree in our garden of eden was an elm tree right oh, dude, <laughs> right? Dude. right right yes. and so we have we have to have a, a backstory explained by some, you know, professor character at some point where he's going to get into the spiritual and mythological history of why elm trees are important. And frankly, we can make all this shit up if we want to, right? But there's probably something in reality that I don't know about. We can go and find out what's the significance. The only thing I can think about with an elm tree is I'm a crossword puzzle guy, so I know that every time you see the word elm in a crossword puzzle, it either has some reference to the movie that we're talking about, or it's like a shade tree, right? Mm-hmm. So the idea is that an elm tree, at least in you know European or Western mind, uh, mindset, is seen as that. Well, that's a shade tree, which means it's a tree that harbors darkness, right? Shade, shadows <laughs> underneath yes. it. Right. So we so that's that's how we connect Elm Street because we we explained that the first Elm Street was one of these like we'll call it like a like a spiritual weak point in the physical world right and the reason that the book the boogeyman was able to reach through and grab the first Freddy whoever that person was bec- or ha- or have some connection to him because there was some kind of a physical weak point on this like Lee line or whatever and so as as the evil spread and as humanity spread across the earth everywhere they went 
there was like an elm tree, which becomes an elm street, you know, and you know, of course in English, it's it, you know, in, in America, they're, they're gonna, we name things after, you know, things that we're familiar with. And mm-hmm. so we can twist the mythology a little bit to say that, yeah, it was originally literally the tree of knowledge of good and evil that, that harbors darkness where this boogeyman lived as like the snake at the bottom of the tree, the serpent in the garden. And now the garden is everywhere. Dude, I'm grinning from ear to ear. That is so fucking good. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That is perfect. I love it. Um, oh, and like, seriously, there's so many ideas here. Okay, so we need somebody to explain this, right? So at, we're going we're gonna to take Robert. Robert's having bad dreams. So Maggie, you know, being afraid of, like, what that could mean. Like, she's on Hypnosil herself to block her own dreams. Mm-hmm. She's always had this fear that one day you know, maybe Robert will start having the same nightmares that she had visions of her father. So, you know, she takes, she, she takes her son to go see a doctor. Who's that doctor? Well, it's doc. Of course it's doc. That's her friend, you know, from part seven. So they're going to go see doc. Now doc is going to introduce them to someone that he's been working with who will be Neil Gordon from part three. Okay. He was the oh, guy. Oh yeah. He survived. He kept Nancy's belongings, that little uh, dream statue she had, and all that. Yeah. And he talked to Amanda Kruger, and she asked him what he believes in, and he said science, I guess. And she said, "What a sad thing to believe in." So he had no spiritual belief, but then he had all of these fucking experiences with a ghost nun and <laughs> a fucking <laughs> skeleton and like all yeah. sorts of crazy shit. So of course the guy's going to become very religious, but. He's very uh, he, he's very uh, studious in trying to find more information about what's going on. So what if he spent the intervening years studying all this, learning about it, realizing mm-hmm. that our Freddy wasn't the first Freddy and he's not been the last Freddy? You know, that there, there have go. been multiple versions of this. So it's all just a theory for him. Yeah. So now we're going to we're going to get the two doctors in here. We got Doc from part six. We got Neil Gordon from part three. They're going to be helping Maggie and her son. So they're trying to figure out what to do. Now, Doc, of course, is going to want to do some kind of dream therapy because that was his whole shtick. Um, He's he's not going to recommend Hypnosil. In fact, he's going to be very much against Hypnosil with Maggie being on it because he was very much like the take therapy, not drugs. Um, So Gordon, maybe he'll be like, you know, maybe he'll even maybe we'll even have something like, you know, you have to be of a certain age to be able to to take Hypnosil. Otherwise, you could damage your psyche. You know, so maybe he's going to be like, look, that's not even an option for your son. Um, yeah. Or so, you know, if we if we take the Freddy versus Jason mythology into account, too, we had the whole town of like teenagers who were like locked up and like forcibly given hypnosil. Right. And so right. we can maybe play into this thing where maybe now it's illegal. It's hard to find. It's hard to get. So like Maggie's on it because, you know, she's getting it illicitly somehow. But it's just not an easy option to like prescribe to a kid because now it's not only is it a potentially dangerous drug. It was always experimental, but now it's like bathtub gin. Like who knows what's in that? Right. Ah, okay. I like it. Okay. So yeah. So like, so that's not even an option, right? So now we're, we're, Robert is going to be like, uh, you know, our avatar as the viewer, like we're going to be kind of seeing this world through his eyes. Mm -hmm. So he's going to obviously be doing the same thing that Nancy and countless other teens and the countless other, you know, uh, characters in these movies have done, which is try not to sleep. He's going to be fighting it. He's not going to want to work with Doc. He doesn't want to go back to sleep because he's going to get the shit kicked out of him when he sleeps, you know, by this freaking yellow-eyed bully. 
Um, yeah, and I think it's interesting to play off real quick. I'm sorry, interrupt you. Um, oh no, no, go for to it. play to play the two doctors off like they're friends and they respect each other. They found each other because of their like mutual experiences with Freddie. But I think it's interesting that Neil is more of like, yeah, don't go to sleep, or at the very least, don't dream, avoid it, stay as far away as possible. You know, he's the arm's length, you know, uh, argument. Whereas Doc is like, you can't avoid sleep, you can't avoid dream. It's a natural part of your physiology. So what you need to do is learn how to control your dreams and take charge of your dreams because that's what he was trying to teach the kids in part six is like yep. take charge. So I think it'll be interesting to, to, to get both sides of that argument and we'll see where Robert ends up on that spectrum. Go ahead. Right. Well, and the other thing I was going to say is one thing we do have to bring in is is a very, something that's very unique to the, to the Nightmare franchise is the whole idea of like dream abilities. And mm-hmm. I've I've always been fascinated by that. Like that's something in this franchise that has always just like sparked my imagination. Um, ever since part three, they've they've really mm-hmm. played with that. So in this world, it is possible to pull somebody else into your dream. Now, why is that? Well, we just we talked about it a little bit earlier. That when you're dreaming, you're connected to this spirit world. Like you're it it's it's not mm-hmm. like it's individualized to you. Like your your perception of it is individualized but you're actually witnessing another realm which is how this creature can get to you so that's how we're going to explain it away how people can be pulled into dreams because we we do want to have that happen there's going to have to be some kind of group psychosis thing later on yeah and Um, everybody everybody is connected to the spiritual realm so that's how that's that also helps to explain how they can reach other people because everybody is connected to this no matter what right? right even if they're not asleep and we've seen that especially in part uh four where alice was pulling the survivors in part three like kincaid and joey into her dream while they were awake yep so and that well that was uh was it uh oh and that's the other thing they can transfer dream powers because it yeah. was uh kirsty or was it kirsten yeah kirsten um had the dream power to pull people in in part three and then when she died in part four, she transferred it to Alice. Yeah. And now then, we, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, and then then Alice was able to do. In fact, Alice gained all of her friends' dream powers in in part four. Yeah, and I thought, always thought it was interesting. Again, one of the things that I noticed, I shouldn't say I always thought it was interesting. I w- should say I now think it's interesting because one of the things I noticed watching the movies basically back-to-back recently, I didn't notice before. One of the many things I didn't pick up on watching them in piecemeal is that they use the same type of like animation uh, as for the dream powers transferring from one person to another as they do when we see souls entering yep. or egg exiting freddy's body like those dream powers have they're either tied directly into the soul or they are souls of some kind yeah and no and that's and that's a really good point because i feel like it is connected to that person's soul which again then we play with the whole your soul entering this other realm and that's what dreaming is so you know it's like the soul giving up a piece of itself to help somebody else you know which is kind of kind of a cool idea it is Um, um alice I guess she was supposed to be the dream master in, in part five. Um, I guess there, 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 I always thought there was an argument that Freddie was the dream master, you know, yeah. but, uh, but you're right. So she gets all of the powers of the other people who were like the dream warriors that survived or her other friends that she had made. Um, and I just, I just want to admit before I, I shut up and let you continue. <laughs> I just, oh, no, no, no. Jump I just want to, I think it's interesting that we're talking about creating a gestalt evil you know hive mind for the boogeyman that has an avatar in 
a Freddy Krueger, right, or mm-hmm. multiple Freddy Kruegers, and yet we we've also seen the the Dream Master from the subtitle of Part Five, which was a person like Alice who became a gestalt, like a a, com- a combination of multiple souls. Like if those powers were tied to the souls, then she had the souls of those people inside her in the same way that Freddy had the souls of his victims inside of him, and so. I think that there's if we're going to talk about having multiple Freddies, then do we do we have multiple Dream Masters? Is that where you're going with this? Kind of. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'll shut. I'll shut up now. <laughs> no, that 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 it was funny because that that was actually kind of where I w- I was leading is that there always has to be some kind of foil. So it's again, it's the whole yin and yang, the good versus evil. So like every time, <clears throat> every time the the boogeyman character, uh, you know, gains power and has this avatar that is feeding it, you know, whatever the good side is, whether you want to call it God, you know, whatever ends up having some kind of champion to take it down. So obviously we're going to, we're going to lead to Robert being that character. Um, And the whole reason I I wanted to do was because, you know, Robert England and, and, you know, (laughs) I thought that was a fun name for him. Yeah. Plus for sure. Wanted to bring it back to a kid because the, the, the thing that everyone forgets is like, uh, originally, Freddy was supposed to prey on children, um, and like they mention it, but he always, they always show him preying on teenagers. Yeah. They never really show him attacking kids. Um, so to have like a kid be a main character, the only other time we've seen that where uh, the kid was the main character, well, I shouldn't even say main character, but was one of the main characters, was uh, in part five with what was his name, Jacob Daniel Johnson. It was Alice's kid. Yeah, um, the dream, the dream child. Yeah, the dream version of, of him where but Freddie was his buddy, you know, yeah. like Freddie was trying to, like, you know, raise him in his image type of thing. And then, like, yeah, you know, he he attacked Dylan in part seven, um, but he was more more or less menacing Dylan to get to Nancy or to Heather Langenkamp, really. Um, so, yeah, yeah. We, we haven't really seen him go toe to toe with a kid, which is what, you know, uh, we've seen uh, it, basically what he's been doing. Uh, Sorry, what he's been attacking uh, throughout the mythos, whether it be the remake or the original story, he's always been after children. So if Robert is the one that takes him down and it's his own grandson, I think that's kind yeah. of. But there were, like I said, we're also going to have multiple Freddies. Um, so one of the things I want to do is introduce other characters and like in other cities. Right. So we're going to find out like, you know, we're going to have like an old older guy, you know, kind of maybe in his. uh in his late fifties, uh, maybe he's having a crazy ass nightmare. He's, you know, we'll do we'll do something like uh, do a callback to part four, where we'll have this guy on the beach, you know, he's chilling, and then some kind of maybe it's a cabana boy, <laughs> something <laughs> turns into Freddy and attacks him, and it's like maybe it's like some kind of some beefy, you know, uh, you know, like muscle bound looking dude attacks him, gonna wake up and it's gonna be Jesse Walsh. Oh, nice. So I love have, Jesse. I, me too. <laughs> so we got to have Jesse come back. Maybe we just go all out and have uh, all of the subtext from part two. Just throw it out there on Front Street. You know, Jesse re- came into his own, realized he he was gay. You know, let, let's just get rid of that whole like, oh, yeah, him and him and Lisa, we're going to end up together. Jesse's gay. So we'll yeah. have him be, be <laughs> yeah. a gay character. Maybe he's still friends with Lisa. You know, they're still in contact like they're they're buddies. They're they're good friends. So maybe he calls her and tells her that he had another nightmare. 
And we find out that some of the survivors have been having nightmares. Why have they been having nightmares? So they've been having nightmares because Robert is slowly giving power back to the entity. He's slowly giving power back to Freddy. Mm -hmm. And our Freddy has unfinished business. Because you got to figure. Yeah, big time. Lisa, Jesse, uh, let's see, Yvonne, Tracy, uh, Lori, they all escaped him. So yes. he, he wants to he wants to put the nail in that coffin. So because Robert is having the dreams again, other people are starting to have the dreams because he's he's remembering for them. It's giving Freddie the power back. Yeah, and, and he's creeping blood. In. It's like magnified somehow. Yes. Yeah. So what do you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, I think it's awesome. No, I, I, my brain's spinning. You know, I got that like you know light bulbs going all over moment again. Um, so going back to the, to the idea of the kids, you mentioned that how we never really see Freddy killing children as defined uh, or as uh, distinct from teenagers. We always see that he's preying on teenagers, and mostly it's the teenagers that were the children of the parents who killed him. And yes. we saw in part six that uh, did they ever give him a name? The John Doe kid, John. Um, he he was supposedly the last one, like the last kid of a adult who was part of the lynch mob that killed Freddie in the first place. But mm-hmm. then Freddie Freddie used him to get through to his daughter um, Catherine, who or I guess Maggie, who sort of helped him to open up another world like to escape you know springwood right but he you're right we never really we saw that their kids were dead but it's like always just the kids that he killed in real life right before he was um this dream you know uh dream avatar dream demon avatar Mm -hmm. so what if he since we're talking about, you know, he's a he's an avatar of evil. What if there's some element of like innocence that he can't kill small children in their dreams because ah, they're, okay. they're not like touching that dark half of the yin yang of the spiritual world like enough like that he can't get to them in their dreams he can only get to the teenagers because we see all the teens in these movies are you know right from the very first movie right it's every horror movie trope it's premarital sex it's (laughs) drugs it's lying it's stealing it's cheating on tests i mean we saw all that stuff right these these kids are rarely innocent right and yeah. just like jason who's Voorhees, who sees that stuff and is like must kill bad kids <laughs> you know <laughs> yes <laughs> having too much fun must die you know but uh but freddy's like ha 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 now i got you because there's like there's like a darkness there right but mm. small small kids are too innocent so he could only kill them in when he was still like fully human and but that's what he really wanted to do, right? Because he was a like a child murderer, child you know abuser, molester. We saw that in both the original and even more explicitly in the remake. In the remake yuck, yeah. yuck, <laughs> yuck. Yeah, that was rough. <laughs> that was really rough for sure. And I I, I want to circle back and talk about the remake at some point while while we're talking right now because man, I I, I definitely want to voice my opinion because I did enjoy it. Um, but uh, wow, what a roller coaster. Anyway, um, so. 
you know, he he really wants to kill little kids. That's what he really cares about. He's just toying with the teenagers. And even the ones that got away, I mean, you just read off a whole list of like survivors and they weren't all even survivors who helped destroy him. Some of them were ones that he just let him get away. Like he could have killed Yvonne. You know what yeah, I mean? Like exactly. he had, he had an opportunity, but he didn't, re- I don't think he really cared as much. And even in, when he was messing with Alice and trying to get Alice to like, get him like get her to bring him like more people to kill it wasn't about the kids he was killing it was about the fear the fear the fear because he he, what he really wanted was to come into the real world so he could get to the kids uh the small children because that was his real like you know pervy uh desire gross um and 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 we saw that in part two so Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go i want to go down one of these tangents here (laughs) like you say i have light bulbs going up all over the place but go ahead so i'll try not to circle too far off the off the the path here the beaten path so another one another one of the things that i noticed as i was watching the movies back to back to back to back is man there is such blurred lines between the real world and the dream world that and and i watched some of the movies with my daughter tegan who she was trying to figure out, wait, is this a dream? Wait, when did the dream end? Is she, did they really wake up or was it just a fake wake up? Because we saw all those, uh, you know, sort of Freddie would mess with the kids and make them think they woke up and they were still trapped in the dream. Mm-hmm. So she was trying to figure it out through the first like three movies, uh, three or four movies. And what dawned on me, probably for the first time ever, was I knew that there were blurred lines, but I never really cared uh, whether it was a dream or not. To me, it was like, whatever, it's a good movie. You know what I mean? Like, they got to pull a stinger at the end and, oh, it was all a dream all along. You know, like, that mm-hmm. that's just good movie making and I don't really care how it fits into the continuity of the mythos. But I think it's interesting that those lines were blurred so much. And so, anyway, my point is, at the at the at in multiple movies, the way to defeat Freddy was to pull him into the real world. But I think Freddy wanted them to do that all along. I really do. If you look at the first movie, Nancy pulls him out into the real world. And so he goes from being let's let's uh, for lack of a better term, he goes from being like a magical being or magical ghost within a dream to a magical ghost in the real world. But he's still a magical ghost, right? Yes. For, for lack of a better term, because he can control the real world in the same way that he can control the dream world when he was in the real world. He made Nancy's mom float into a bed. He made like the the, the stairs light on fire. Like he did all kinds of crazy stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And then we saw that in part two. I think by in part two, he was still in the real world, but he was still a magical ghost in the real world. And he then, he uses that, his... The fact that he's in the real world to to physically get into Jesse to try to like manifest a body for himself so that he could be a magical real person in the real world. And that's what he wanted all along. And we saw that happen a couple more times in the franchise later on where I don't think he was trying that hard to not go to the real world. <laughs> you know, true. True. I, I I don't know if it was on purpose or he just didn't care because he has power on both sides of that threshold. He's a magical being, whether he's in a dream and can get to, into everybody's like mind through their sleep or whether he's in the real world and he's just there fucking with everybody because he's, you know, he, he was setting things on fire and killing people and, you know, and locking kids in a pool party, <laughs> like all kinds of stuff in like yep. the real world, even without a physical body. Right. And here's, I think the only difference is that in the real world, he can be put back down. Whereas in the dream realm, it's like, you know, you stab him in the eye, he pulls the scissors out and he's fine. Yeah. You know, but in the real world, he gets wounded and he's wounded. 
Um, Except I think what, yeah, he does. You're right, because he has a physical body. And even when it was just like a ghost in the real world, but also every he was defeated that way, like three separate times, maybe more if I'm not I'm not counting them correctly. But he always comes back like he came back after the first one. He came back oh, after yeah. the sixth one, even when they're like they blew his body up and they were like, Freddie's dead. Roll, you know, yep. roll credits. He comes back like, you know, in Freddie versus Jason. And Freddie versus Jason. Exactly. So it's like all they're doing is sending him back to the dream. They're killing. Exactly. Him. But by killing him, he's not going to like an afterlife because there is no afterlife. He's just going to the spiritual realm because that's kind of all it's kind of all one package in this mythology. Right. The afterlife, the spiritual, whatever. So they're just sending him back home so he can start over again. So it's all they're really doing is like hitting the reset button. He has to go back to the start of the level and like, you know, build up his experience (laughs) points again. You know, exactly. You know what I mean? Like he's Freddy is living a roguelike game. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. But he. I think he wants to be in the real world because he really wants to kill kids and he kills the teenagers because he needs the power to get to the real world. Uh, but he, you know what I mean? So good. I, I love it. Um, yeah, this is just setting off like a, a boatload of ideas for me. So you mentioned that he wants to kill innocents, but he can't because there's like this protective barrier on, uh, on young kids you know, connecting to the dream world. Like there, there's, there's like almost like this, this bubble of protection around, Mm -hmm. you know, children before they hit, you know, maybe before they hit puberty, you know, like maybe puberty is like when you start to kind of age out of that and start to, to see the world for what it is and start to realize all Mm -hmm. of the bad shit that's out there. But so let, let's take it back to the beginning. The entity needs fear. So it needs fear to feed it. How does it breed fear? It creates an avatar in the real world to prey on innocence. Because what's the most evil thing is the destruction of innocence. So, again, now that we're doing that whole, like, you know, ignorance and innocence and, like, there's all these things of, like, when you don't know, you're, you're, you're innocent to it. And like we're we're playing up with a lot of metaphysical concepts here. Yeah, I mean what we're what we're saying is that knowledge is fear, or awareness is fear, and ignorance is bliss and innocence. Right. I mean that's literally what we're saying here. You know? Exactly. And I, I kind of love this, but um, so so yeah. So the the creature wants to prey on innocence because that breeds the most fear. When you hear when I don't even care if you have a kid or not. When you hear a kid dies, everyone has the same reaction. Like, oh, my God. Like, it's that immediate feeling of, like, a gut punch, you know. And, and yeah. so that, that's just, like, something across the board with people. So when you have this avatar, this, this human avatar that is killing kids and preying on children, it's creating a whirlwind of fear. So now this mm-hmm. thing is – it's it's like it's at the buffet. It's just eating it up. It's loving all the fear. And then when that avatar gets killed, it just now it has another another being to generate fear in the dream world. But it's not it's not its tastiest treat. You know, it's like, yeah, it's like getting McDonald's when you really want like a good hamburger. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not the same. Um, so but here's here's the idea. This this is what what you were like sending me off the rails here. So what how can we uh how can we play with some other franchises here and using this mythology so the necronomicon oh, okay can tap into that spirit world it pulls spirits the evil spirits maybe parts of the being parts of the entity out that possess people 
All right. Mm -hmm. We know for a fact that Jason is technically tied to the Necronomicon because of Jason Goes to Hell. We see the the Kandarian dagger and we see the Necronomicon in the Voorhees house. Jason is a deadite. Exactly. So we know Jason is a deadite. But what's the what's the one important thing about Jason that we've already established talking about Friday the 13th multiple times? He doesn't kill kids. Why doesn't he kill kids? Because he's an entity from the spirit world that can't destroy can't destroy innocence. Ah, that's so, awesome. OK, yeah. So when even though he's he's possessed by the spirit from the boogeyman, he can't harm children. So. It, like yeah. it all ties together. <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. No, you're totally right, and I and I love the fact that you mentioned the Necronomicon, and because then and you, earlier on the conversation you mentioned the Freddy versus Jason sequel, which also starred Ash, which was in the comic books only, yeah. but still, you know that because we know that that mythology is all tied together. And while it may have originally been an Easter egg, you, we still see Freddy's glove in the cabin in Evil Dead two i think it's the yep. second one right um and obviously there's the connection between freddie and jason even before their crossover movie again you mentioned the dagger and the book all in his like you know his ancestral home so here's what we have to have a reason why do we suddenly have like freddie's popping up all over the world or, or the u.s let's call it right you mentioned like on every every elm street because obviously the our our evil like fear our fear god has used you know freddie has used the deadites has used you know jason you know hell you know the cenobites i mean you right. name it right like they they're kind of they can all you can tie in like every franchise that you can get the rights to you know <laughs> uh into this concept of the fear god that fear fuels you know uh these these uh these leather face i mean i've never seen more fear on film than oh, in shit, the original yeah. texas chance of massacre i mean holy shit <laughs> you know Agreed. Like, right that movie right? still scares me <laughs> exactly and it's like oh my god um so and, and and i have to go down another little little trail off the, the path here which is that man we got we have to we, we're gonna tell this backstory we're gonna go all the way back to the like garden of eden with you know our elm street or elm tree which is our you know tree of knowledge good and evil and the serpent is the fear god that's like in the darkness under the tree and then it's going to feed off of the fear, right? The fear of, you know, if we do the Adam and Eve thing, it's just the fear of like, once you know, you have that knowledge of good and evil, then you, you're no longer innocent and you fear things. And that's, that's like what that whole serpent story was about. But then, you know, now we're thousands of years later. Well, what's happened in all the time, you know, between, right? We, we, we can, we can mention every mythological story imaginable, you know, from Hades, you know, with, uh, with Eurydice and, and, you know, whatever, like, uh, all, all of these, uh, we can go down a litany of, of stories of, of fear gods like Phobos, but I'm just thinking like pop culture. If we're sticking to pop culture, like I'm thinking of like spring Jack, you know, mm-hmm. who was this like, you know, monstrous clawed creature that haunted like Victorian England. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and right, I'm, I, I'm thinking like, let's like leave extraordinary gentlemen, this shit. Right. And we go into, Dude, pop, yes. we, right. We go into <laughs> pop culture and we pull characters out from this movie or that book, you know, and, and all of these sort of like monster characters, you know, like uh, the gorilla from the murders on the Rue Morgue or whatever the hell, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and we tie them in that these were all, 
different avatars, um, you know, uh, hell, Bigfoot, you know, whatever, right? <laughs> we, can, right. We, we, we can do all kinds of stuff. They're all avatars of this uh, fear beast. But what if what we, what we find out was because Jason hasn't gone to space yet and blown up an entire space station, <laughs> what, <laughs> what we find out is that, like, Freddy is, like, the most successful one, right? Freddy has become, like, the pet avatar, the one that yes. did that, that like really cracked the code because he was such an evil bastard as a human and even more evil bastard as like a dream slayer. And he just fucking loved it so much. Like it wasn't just like doing the job or getting power, man. He was, he was loving that shit. He, you know, he was playing games. He was goofing around. He was cracking jokes. You know, he was, he was he laughed at his own daughter's memory of killing her mother and you know it was like you know that bitch got what she came got what she asked for yeah. and was giggling about it like I, that that's what I'm thinking I'm thinking that our fear god is like putting all of his chips on Freddy because even though he's been forgotten for a while his track record speaks for itself and so now you know it's a new generation and there's literally a new generation with Robert and Robert is going to, as the blood of Freddie is going to allow Freddie to gain power again, because all, whatever level of fear there is, is like multiplied right through, through Robert's uh, uh, power dream or more mind because of his connection to Freddie by blood. So it's like, you know, uh, this, there's like, there's a synergy there where it's like, you know, greater than some of its parts. And so, now the new plan is, well, forget all of these different like avatars, and we're just going to go hard on the one, the one avatar that worked. But we're going to grab, you know, Alice Cooper, and we're going to grab, uh, you know, uh, right. you know, Jack whoever Earl else. Haley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jackie Earl Haley and David Warner, and we're going to make. They're all going to become Freddies, and it'll be our Kruger army. <laughs> yeah. And see, and th this is just as like a, a filmmaking point of view, the reason that I, I feel like this was ever mentioned in the first place and uh, would still really work well is that you could then have sequels going beyond. And it doesn't have to be Robert England. It doesn't have to be Jackie Earl Haley. It could be anybody. Hell, pick some new up and comer like, you know, grab anybody. They can be Freddy for a film. Hell, pull a pull a crow. Where it's like mm -hmm. every film, it's a different Freddy because it's a different cast of characters. Maybe if, if we have a crossover, like, you know, oh, the survivor from the last film is in this film. When they see Freddy, it's the Freddy from their film. And yeah. when these other people see Freddy, it's the new Freddy. Because that's how they perceive this being. That's how they yeah. perceive this, this fear entity. Yeah, um, and because and, and you mentioned that they're kind of like Bogart like and that they all they all kind of like represent like what people fear the most, right? Whether yeah. it's their abusive parent or whoever. We could do a whole like uh uh like uh multiple like a like a universal multiverse thing like we saw with like Loki where it's like you're going to have a you know right. like we had like an alligator, you know, Loki <laughs> and a like woman Loki. So now we can have like a spider Freddy and like right. a bat Freddy and you know, well, you shit, know whatever. We've already seen that with a snake Freddy. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? We can Whatever scares people, but it has that green and red sweater on. <laughs> yeah, it's got that coloration to it. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, right? But, but yeah, that's and, really and cool. I think, uh, so slowly throughout this film, we, we would introduce the different characters. Like, hell, maybe Yvonne can be, because she was a nurse in, in part five, maybe she could be working with Dr. Gordon. 
you know, maybe it's like because of her experiences, mm-hmm. you know, she went and, and found, you know, other like minded people in the medical field and was like, you know what, I'm gonna work with you. So maybe he's like, like she's his assistant or something, you know, yeah, there you like, go. so we That's can right. bring yeah. her back, um, you know, Tracy Swan. Hell, maybe she's like teaching self-defense classes, you know, and, and like because <laughs> yes. she was always kick ass, you know, so we could have her being like this, this self-defense coach that maybe Maggie goes to because she's scared and mm-hmm. is like, you know, I'm, I'm afraid my son, like maybe maybe Robert is being bullied in real. There we go. OK, yeah. So Robert is actually being bullied in real life, which is what led to the nightmare. Okay, there you go. So the nightmare is like the real person, but with like the Freddy mask on or the Freddy veneer over it. Right. right? So and his, his fear in the dream is calling to his grandfather. It's calling to the boogeyman. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's where it's going to pull the the fear from to, to give Freddy form again. Um. So, yeah, he does have a real life bully, which also this is I'm sorry. I forgot to mention this at the beginning. This is where the idea for having a bully pick on a kid came from. Wes Craven says that the the first idea for Fred Krueger came to him because when he was a kid, there was a bully he used to pick on him named Fred. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. You know, so that's that's where I was like, oh, yeah, we got to have a bully, though. I forgot to mention that at at the top. So this kid is being bullied in real life and it's giving him these nightmares. Well, maybe how we get Tracy in the story is Maggie brings Robert, brings her son to Tracy to learn some self-defense. <laughs> there you go. So I just want to bring these survivors in because the more people, the more survivors that Robert touches mm-hmm. with that he and he's unknowingly giving Freddie power, Freddie is going to now have a means to get to them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So, okay, so what we're doing is we're creating like an army of Freddies, but then we're also revealing one by one by one that there's an army of dream warriors that are, yes. have survived the previous movies and are training that like next generation, both in the dream uh, uh, warfare like Doc would do and like physical warfare like Tracy's doing. And so some of them know each other or have gravitated towards each other over the years because they have this like shared trauma, but maybe like Jesse, like has never come and joined, but suddenly we, again, we introduced Jesse, you know, the survivor from part two, the final boy. Uh, mm-hmm. And we, and he's going to suddenly start having these nightmares again. And, you know, he's going to try to figure out what's going on. And I, I'm not sure how, but we, we need to find a way to like put Jesse in touch with like the crew that is together, the Mackie and the doc and the, and the Neil, you know, and the Tracy. And so they're going to start like recruiting, you know, other people. And so what I'm picturing is Robert's having trouble with his bully. He's describing his bully dream and what Maggie and doc are hearing is that sounds like Freddie. It's the very distinctive dirty teeth snarl, Mm-hmm. Um, which by the way, was like the, w- the one thing I did not like about the makeup in the remake is that he didn't have like the right mouth. Like the teeth were like, I felt like he was missing a, a critical element of what Freddie's look is because his, yeah. his lips were like the, the burnt over scar tissue, but we really needed to see them curl back, you know? 
and uh, yeah. Jack, Jack Early Haley did that in Watchmen, so I know he has that has that good you know sneer. Um, it was just anyway. that makeup was. <laughs> I'm just. I know. I know. We we want to talk about the remake at one point <laughs> in this, but yeah. I, you know what? Let, let's just pause for a second and talk about this. <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's I, I don't want. We'll, I don't want to we'll cut go, you off. I know you have a good. No, no, idea, we'll, but we'll go back to the army. But yeah, I'm just thinking like when we circle back to it. Um, we we got to talk about the rise of the Freddy army and how that like is going to trigger our dream warriors to gather together like the fucking stand. Right. Yes. So, okay. And, so and I actually do have an idea for that, but okay. So, so, so the remake let's Okay. So, we're going off the track. Sorry. <laughs> here it is. Rabbit trail. <laughs> <laughs> we, we are definitely going to be conversing for a moment about the remake. So, yeah. okay. As I stated, I know you liked it. I know, I, you know I've I've been a champion for that movie since it came out when it was getting tons of hate. And I was like, yeah, there are moments I don't like, but it's a solid nightmare flick. Like, if you like Nightmare on Elm Street, it's got all the elements there. Um, my main beefs, the makeup. I get what mm. they were going for. I really do. They were going for realism, and it looks great. Like, it does. it is a really good makeup job. It just doesn't scream F- Freddy for one reason to me. I feel sympathetic when I see someone with those kind of burns. Yeah. I'm like, like, oh, dude, I'm so sorry. Like, that just, it looks so painful that, like, you don't think monster. Freddy's look from part two on was based on a witch. Like, they gave him Mm. high cheekbones and the the hook nose and the, the, the yellowed teeth. Like, the whole idea for that look was based on a male witch. Um, I forget his name, but the special effects artist even said, like, that was his inspiration. The original special effects artist was like, I, I based it on pepperoni pizza. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was pepperoni pizza and real burn victims. Like, he was kind of playing with it. Um, but, yeah, the second guy made him look like a witch. So the remake, they wanted to go realism. And while I applaud the effort and I think that the makeup looks fantastic, it's not Freddy. And maybe they were trying to to play into the sympathy because of the whole story of was he innocent? Wasn't he innocent? You know, that, that whole thing, like maybe they wanted, uh, you know, you to feel slightly sympathetic for him until the big reveal. But I just, I don't like the makeup. My only other beef, and it will always be this is I I've said this on, on plenty of other podcasts, especially on the boogeyman's closet. I love remakes, but I hate it when they try to one up a scene from the original film. Either give me like don't like don't do much to it. Like if the scene worked and you need it for the story, just do it like they did it in the hills have eyes mm-hmm. where uh, I think it was Jupiter. The the dad was uh, was coming after the kids in the trailer and they did almost almost shot for shot. Not quite, but the same concept as the original. And it worked. They didn't make a big deal out of it. It was just like, yeah, we're going to blow up the trailer. You know, we're going to do the same thing. But they still did their own stuff with the story. My beef with this is like the the wall, Freddy, you know, mm-hmm. like he came yeah. out of the wall in this. That's such an iconic scene in the original. And it's so beautifully done in the original that turning like what they did with it just didn't work. If they just redid it where it's like he came out of the wall in the same way, I would have been fine. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the fact that they were like, let's one up it made big CG monster come out of the wall. I'm like, I got claws, you know, that bothered me. And then. That having um, it, it, her name wasn't Tina, but the the blonde friend of Nancy in the remake. Oh, I I, yeah, name. I don't remember Telly or something like that. Um, when she is dead, and Nancy sees her in a body bag in the hallway, mm-hmm. and it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, 
It's just she's running through the hallway. She hasn't reached the point of micronaps yet. Like they're talking about micronaps. And then suddenly we're having her micronapping, but still being able to talk to Quentin. Like it, it just it seemed very strange. And it was like, let's drag the body down the hall because that was scary in the first one. But then let's immediately have her standing in the hall again laughing because of that other scene that Tina was in the body bag in the first one, mm-hmm. it almost, it, it, it didn't feel earned. Like that scare didn't feel earned in the original. That is still one. Of, that's like in my top five scariest moments of all time in a horror movie is the scene where Tina is laying in the hallway and then her, her legs lift up by nothing and she's dragged away and her arms slowly, her dead arm flops out onto the cold tile. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that scene is so terrifying to me that when they did it in the remake, it fell so short that I'm like, ah, why did you put this in here? It wasn't needed. Like you totally could have done a different scare here. Like yeah. it just, it, it, that, and that bugged the hell out. Cause it took me right out of the film. So, and then of course the very end, like, I know you got to have the stinger, but the way they did the stinger at the end of this one, I was like, oh, come on, you could have, it just, it was too much CG. It just didn't work for me. Um, not that the stinger at the original is, is any better. No, it's really not. Because <laughs> when she gets not. going through that little window, I laugh every time. But it just, I don't know. I, I feel like they could have done a better stinger. Like have Nancy get into bed and like maybe see a shadow in the in the mirror and be like, you know, oh my God, like blink, look around, not there. And then lay back down and have Freddie laying next to her. And then, like, jump at her and then, you know, end. Like, they could have done something to get that final jump scare that didn't feel cheap and overly CGI'd, (laughs) you know. But overall, I love the film. I just, I have those couple of coibles with it. Yeah, I agree. I didn't see it when it first came out. And so my first experience with the remake was... People telling me how terrible it was. Right? And yeah. it was like YouTube video <laughs> reviews and friends. And it was like, oh, God, it's such a piece of crap. And like it ruined Jackie Earl Haley's career after he was on a high uh, coming off of Watchmen, which was honestly probably true uh, because he, he, he deserved a lot more uh, than that. Um, I agree. And, and, and I, I, I will say, like, I thought Jackie Earl Haley was one of the best things about the remake because I could not think of a better actor uh, to play Freddy Krueger, honestly, like he at that time, right? He was yeah. such a perfect pick coming off of Rorschach. You know, granted, I would love to see Willem Dafoe, and we should get Willem Dafoe in our oh, new movie yeah. because holy shit, hit that that big, you know, big silly toothed Joker grin that he's got. Like, oh my god, like he can just Norman Osborn all over the place. And <laughs> yes, it, it would be so good. But I still think Jekyll Earl Haley was perfect for it because he just has this intensity in his eyes and the growl and. You know, it was I thought he was the perfect casting and I was excited to see it until everyone told me how fucking terrible it was. And I was like, oh, OK, sure. So I didn't really see it. And then when I did see it, I was kind of only half paying attention to it. I was doing something else. And I was like, yeah, this is stupid. It's all this because all I could see were like the things that you just said were the CGI was terrible. And yes. I, I don't mind. I'll even say I like the callbacks to the famous sequences from the older movies, like the body bag scene and him coming out of the wall and the claw out of the bathtub. You know, I thought that was good. Like mm. if either, like you said, either, you know, just do your own version of it or 
you know, reference it in some way. And I thought most of the references were just that they were like, okay, you're referencing it, but then you're doing it differently. I, yeah. I, I didn't interpret it like you're trying to one up it or whatever. I was just thinking, okay, so they're, they're, they're trying not to do the exact same thing. They're doing the same idea, but you know, uh, a newer, a different version of it. But I thought the problem is that the, the CGI was just so bad that, yeah, yeah they could have had him come out of the wall, but again, let's not copy it. Like that's, that's kind of, you know, uh, it's a, perfect special effect from the original movie when it comes out of the wall and you know for years people didn't even know like how they did that or whatever Mm -hmm. so trying to even do it at all i think would be almost sacrilege so yeah just do something different with it like make your own spin on it but it just looked so terrible (laughs) it really (laughs) you know and the makeup was the same way like yeah they did their own spin on it you don't want to you don't want to have the exact same makeup you want to be a little bit more realistic so you do your own spin on it the problem is they just looked fucking terrible like they just they 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 did not have the quality that they should have had for the money that they probably had in the budget um but whatever like my main beef with the movie is well i'll say i really liked the fact that they they introduced a couple of new concepts, and the one that I thought was the best was the curveball twist that, like, maybe – wait, spoiler alert <laughs> – was, uh, right. you know, that maybe Freddie was innocent all along and that maybe the lynch mob, like, got the wrong guy. I thought that was an interesting twist. I mean, it turns out that, you know, Freddie was just fucking with him because that's what <laughs> Freddie does, you know, right. which was great, except – that's what leads me into the one thing the one thing i did not like about the movie above all else the thing that i enjoyed the hell out of it and i told you that right after i finished watching it like how much i loved it but the thing that just kind of like made it a b movie instead of an a movie was that freddie just wasn't funny at all he wasn't sarcastic he wasn't cracking any jokes Mm -hmm. and even when he attempted to it was just the lamest humor possible like i don't know who wrote those lines but they were not funny at all so had mm. Freddie been this like sarcastic, grinning, you know, William Defoe kind of a guy, you know, just laughing hysterically, that would have made the fact that he fooled the main characters into thinking that he was innocent, and then, haha, surprise, I was a bastard all along. And then he just, if he just had this like cackle about himself, it would have been so creepy. Like he tricked them into thinking he was innocent, and oh, they felt bad for him because he had burns on his face, and maybe you know, oh, he was just a nice old guy who liked kids, and and then. Yeah had the supervillain laugh come out of him, that would have just, you know, cinched it. But for me, like, he just wasn't funny, so it kind of ruined it, because it, then he then he was just a pervy douchebag, you know? Right. Which it's, is a... Go ahead. Okay. No, that's all right. Go ahead. I was going to say, my last comment is that it's an interesting callback to what we're talking about right now, because, you know, we watch horror movies all the time, we talk horror movies all the time, and we laugh at people getting, like, stabbed in the eyeball and, like, disemboweled right. and whatever, but, like... You and I both in this conversation have talked about killing kids and gone yuck. Like let's I, like I don't even want right. to use the words that I you know I'm like using euphemisms because that's like one place you don't want to go. And I just felt like the Freddy in the remake because he wasn't funny. It made the reality of the fact that he was an actual like child abuser like so icky that it yeah. just kind of like it kind of took the fun out of the movie. And like aren't horror movies like supposed to at the end of the day supposed to be fun like a thrill ride? That's yeah. what I think. You know. See, and and while I totally I totally see and can agree with that, I kind of like the fact that he wasn't funny for one reason. In, in the original Nightmare, like he was only a little funny. Like it, it was turned up to like a two. Um, <laughs> like there's like the scene where, you know, where he's chasing after Tina and he jumps out and he's like, 
He's like, hey, Tina. And he's like, watch this. And he cuts his fingers off and then starts like laughing about it as she's horrified. Mm-hmm. And then there's like, you know, she grabs his face and it comes off and he's just like a laughing skull. Mm-hmm. Um, like there's those moments, but there's not. And like, we don't really see him cracking wise until part three. Um, but part part one in particular, he's he's almost like he's toying with him and laughing about it. And it's and that's like that scared me so bad as a kid. Um, and then still, honestly, on my most recent rewatch, it still gave me the, the, the chills. Like, I was like, oh, that's fucking creepy. Um, but the thing I like about Jackie Earl Haley as Freddie is he did. He had a whole different demeanor to Robert England. Like there was there was little things even with the physicality. Robert England hung his arm like his hand down like a gunslinger. He had this like, you know, hip tilt. Mm-hmm. And he even mentioned like the the that he stood like that because he was kind of looking at like the gunslinger pose. Um, and then with Jackie Earl Haley, he almost looked like more of like a, a like mincing little mousy, you know, creep where he had his hand up and he would like flick the fingers back and forth and make the like kind of sound with the fingers. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was almost like more insect and mousy. like. You know, and it reminded me of like what I hate to say it, but what you would think of as like a pedophile, like this creepy, weird older dude. You know, it's like it just he he just exuded that that feeling of like ah, you're creepy. You know, <laughs> it's I don't like yeah. you. Yeah. Um, and the <laughs> other the other thing I liked about it though is when he would toy with the kids, like when he had um, I think I forget the kid's name, but uh, that that movie's version of Rod. Where he had him and, and the guy was screaming. He's like, you know, why are you screaming? I haven't even cut you yet. And he just starts kind of cackling. I was like, oh, like it just it was so off putting. And then like there's the whole thing where, you know, he kills him. And he mentions, you know, like that the brain can keep functioning for seven minutes after the heart dies. That was really and, good. And he goes, we have six whole minutes to still play. I was like, oh, God, like there's just those really gross kind of like you are just the worst kind of monster type of moments. And then even like the, uh, the line where Nancy says, uh, she says, fuck you. And he goes, Oh, sounds fun. It's a little fast for me though. I was like, ah, you're just creepy. Like everything yeah. about you. Well, you know um, what it was, as I'll say about that is I loved what Jackie Earl, Earl Haley did with that character. And I've, I've specifically loved those examples that you just said. Mm-hmm. I think th- I, the thing that about it is that to me, it just it wasn't Freddy Krueger. Like that's yes. that thing. That's that's what bothered me about not bothered me, but that's the the issue I had with it. It's a great movie with a great killer with some creepy yeah. ass stuff. I enjoyed the hell out of it. Don't get me wrong. It yeah. just it just didn't feel like it was Freddy Krueger at all. It felt like they right. could have just swapped him out with a different name and a different sweater and made a different movie, and it would have been amazing but because they called it nightmare on elm street mm-hmm. and they, they changed just enough to alienate the wrong people like to alienate the, the fan base that they were okay. going for and they kind of shot themselves in the foot i mean they went for it you know i guess they tried something i guess like i said i still think it's a great movie and people should definitely watch it i think it's underrated like highly oh, yeah. but it, it, i thought the friday the 13th friday the 13th remake was far more successful in doing exactly what they tried to do which was you know uh, reference older stuff kind of collapse the story of multiple movies together into one, you know, reintroduce the character in your own way, but in close enough to the original that it was recognizable, blah, 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 you know? Right. 
Totally agree. And I, I think that's always going to be the problem that people have with it is it's not Freddy. I mean, hell, I said one, one of the problems that I had with it was that makeup is not Freddy, you know? So it's like, that seems to be the major complaint for everybody. And I think what we can take away from that is it's not that it wasn't Robert England because yeah, while Robert England is Freddy, we all know that it's Jackie Earl Haley put in a hell of a performance as we've both said, so it's not so much that it was a different person playing Freddy. It was that the character of Freddy was so drastically different from what we know mm-hmm. that it was it was alienating. And people walked away from that being like eh, that that wasn't a Freddy movie, you know, whereas mm-hmm. if Jackie Earl Haley maybe did, maybe if he did crack wise a little bit or maybe if the makeup was slightly more uh, unrealistic you know, maybe people wouldn't have felt as alienated. And I think that's something circling us back to, to the topic at hand. I feel like that that's something that we could uh, we could learn from with this kind of a, of a remake or reboot, not even remake, but just a, a, a sequel slash reboot to the franchise um, by having other people play Freddy. They still have to have similar physicality, um, similar looks mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, a similar personality to the Freddy we know because maybe that that personality isn't you know the avatar of Freddy like it's not the whoever the person is that became Freddy maybe part of that is the creature that is enjoying toying with its food before the kill yeah the thing that makes sense too especially when we we see a little bit of human Freddy like in part six here and there and I don't know that he was like cracking wise having a good time and we've mentioned it too that as the franchise went on it became maybe we didn't go into too much detail on this but it becomes like sillier right and and that isn't necessarily a bad thing um because but it becomes more and more exaggerated the kill sequences become you know more complicated and like over the top and it's almost as if you know he was becoming he was enjoying it more and more and more and more maybe becoming becoming more and more of the demon and less and less of the human frederick krueger Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and that could have something to do with it. You know, not just, you know, the Hollywood uh, uh, one upsmanship of like, got to right. you know, <laughs> got to have a more elaborate kill scene next time. You know, right. um, even like the really goofy ones from like uh, uh, four and five, like uh, what was the comic book artist guy? Uh, uh, oh, Mark, yeah. Mark, was that his name? Mark, yep. like that's one of the worst ones just in terms of like how corny it is. But like, I thought that it was fun or dude, like, I actually love that kill yeah, because or, it's so much like a dream. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I like that character Mark way better. You know, in this recent viewing, he's a terrible actor, but yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I, I really like the character. Or like, or like the sequence when Dan like becomes like one with his motorcycle. You know, it's oh. like it's just so over the top and silly. But like, you know, th- those things appeal. You know, there, there's a fan. You know, of, uh, in every, or I should say, there's there's a fan for each one of those scenes. There's people who like them. Oh, yeah. You know, like. I could sit here and tell you how I hated I hated this one sequence and you're like, oh, dude, it's my favorite one in the movie. You know, and it's like, whatever. You know, I thought it was kind of silly when it was like uh, Rick versus like Invisible Ninja Freddy. But like maybe that's yeah. someone's favorite favorite one. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, one of my favorite kills from the franchise is one of the most cartoonish. Uh, it's where where John is parachuting down and um, Freddy, you know, like climbs down out of the parachute and, and, you know, John thinks like, you know, you didn't kill me because I'm your kid. And he, or you didn't. I know why you didn't kill me. And he's like, oh, do you think I'm your daddy? And he goes, <laughs> you're wrong. And he starts cutting the straps. 
And oh, John yeah. is freaking out. And then he cuts the straps to the parachute. John starts falling. And immediately we teleport to the ground where Freddy is like rolling out a giant bed of spikes, like looking like <laughs> Bugs Bunny. Like yeah. it totally is an Acme moment. And mm-hmm. then John lands on the spikes. And in the real world, we just see holes appear in his chest. Yep. And like, I thought that was such a fun kill. Like, I love the fact that it's cartoony and over the top because that's what makes the nightmare kills so much more entertaining to me than other horror movies. It's not just someone got stabbed, someone got slashed, their head came off. It's something crazy like that. Like, we get to see this insane special effect of, like, someone's chest collapsing in, like, Mm -hmm. rows of spikes, you know? Or we get to see a giant worm puppet of of freddy eating somebody you know i love those types of kills um or we get to see the kids like veins get pulled out of his limbs and then puppeteered like it's so nuts and and that's 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 one of the hardest ones to watch (laughs) i know right it's so creepy um how could they do cody culp like that that's my that's my class my class 1999 boy i i know right it's like Oh, one of these days I will get that movie on, on the Boogeyman's Closet. I've been trying for a while. <laughs> All right, so let's get back to that analogy I mentioned a minute ago, uh, back on track here, where we have our Freddy army that's like spreading across the U.S. as the fear gods' power grows, and we're seeing our our Jackie Earl Haley Freddy and our Ellis Cooper Freddy and our David Warner Freddy and our William Defoe Freddy and our snake and our spider art. It's gremlins too, right? We have, right. We have, we have all the Freddies. <laughs> it totally is. <laughs> and, uh, uh, right. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> now I'm picturing gremlin oh. Freddy and I'm laughing. Oh, man, you know, Susie, if you're listening to this gremlins Two is an amazing movie watch it again because i'm telling you uh have a drink or something first because gremlins 2 is pure gold uh, maybe agree. maybe you just had to grow up loving uh hulk hogan like i did but man that movie <laughs> is so good gremlins 2 uh does not get enough love anyway so we have our freddy army that's spreading while at the same time we have our dream warrior army that's sort of like uh, waking up to the reality of what's happening, we need to get them together like the stand. Like I'm thinking like in Springwood, like they're going to come together because they need to like join forces in like a place. Right. And, and yeah. Springwood seems like the, like the obvious, like, uh, like focal point. you right. Yes. So, okay. So here, here's the idea I have. So we have, we, we we're going to do that dream sequence, like where we, we cut away from our main cast. Cause our, let, let's, let's get our main cast underway. So we have, uh, uh, Maggie Smith or, you know, Catherine Kruger and her son, Robert, then she is friends, still friends with Tracy Swan, who is, you know, teaching her son self-defense and all that. Um, and then they're seeing Doc, uh, Neil. So Neil Gordon and Yvonne is in that group as well. So the other survivors that we would have to bring in are Lisa Weber, Jesse Walsh, uh, Alice Johnson, Jacob Daniel Johnson, and then from Freddy versus Jason, Lori Campbell and Will Rollins. Now, if we really want to get out there, we could even bring in the survivors from the remake and say Quentin Smith and Nancy Halbrook. But so I think where we start with is Jesse, because Jesse was once Freddy's avatar. Yep. So we, we have a dream sequence. We have him wake up. Let's have him be in California. Let's bring back the reference full circle to part one. Yeah. So he, wake, he wakes up. He's, you know, full of like covered in sweat. Does the the Jesse scream, you know, and fuck, have Mark Patton come back. He's still kicking. He's still awesome. So have, yeah. 
have him, you know, and then he, he gets on the phone, like he wakes up, maybe like, you know, has a drink, rubs his head and is like, all right. And he calls Lisa and he's like, Lisa, they've started again. So maybe he's been fighting these dreams the entire time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's because Lisa and Jesse have such a strong connection. I mean, clearly they do love each other, even if they're not together. They they are, are like they're soulmates. They're, they're lifelong mm-hmm. friends. So she helps hetero him. hetero life mates. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hetero life. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so they they you know they they help each other cope with what they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. Maybe we find out here that Lisa has been having the dreams too. Ooh, so they good. they start searching for others. So now we're gonna cut to uh, let's say New Jersey, right? And we're gonna find out that Lori and Will are still together. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. And maybe, just maybe, they run a small camp. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of fun, but yeah. Would, yeah, why not? Why not? <laughs> but so we, we have we have these characters. Maybe they're having nightmares. Maybe they're having nightmares about Jason. And then we find out that, you know, it's actually the the dream demon, that thing that's that's fucking with them. It's trying to get their fear. So they they start, you know, looking up online, like, ways to combat, you know, bad dreams. Because keep in mind, they don't know a whole hell of a lot about Freddy. You know, they, they just, they That's were true. like, oh, they were like, Freddy was killed by fire. Jason was killed by water. How can we use that? <laughs> <laughs> like, that was, that was their extent of Freddy knowledge. Um, well, and, and and let's be clear. Let's be honest, too. I mean, Freddy versus Jason really focused way more on Jason than it did on Freddy. Freddy was the impetus for the story, but Jason seemed to get like the screen time and the backstory. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think you're right. It's like they focused so much on Jason that they weren't really paying attention to Freddy. They were thinking Freddy was so one note. Right. right. So, I mean, the whole camp thing aside, like that was kind of a joke. But, you <laughs> know, let's idea. have let's just bring these two characters back in. Maybe they're, they're having dreams, too. So they maybe, look up. Maybe on... maybe they're helping, you know, Tommy take care of his little camp. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Tommy Jarvis doesn't he, doesn't he have the whole camp, but he's drunk all the time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they, they work for Tommy, but but it's the off season. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, but, and uh, I'm, I, I, OK. Do not let me forget. I, I'm sorry to keep interrupting you. Okay, no, so for it, uh, for, uh, we'll mention Michael May again. So uh, we, we he was correct. He totally called us out and screwed up. We we screwed up. We screwed up, and we did not kill a Santa Claus in yes. Christmas the 13th. So at the epilogue to this episode, before we are done, we are going to go back and we are going to retroactively insert the deleted scene for the for the <laughs> network TV airing, and we're going to kill a Santa Claus. I, I actually have an idea for that, but well, okay. <laughs> we'll get to it. Okay. Um, so. So, yeah, so they look up online. They're like, you know, how like, you know, we're having these nightmares. They're 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 constant. How do we get over it? What if they find online somebody that, you know, offers like he has like little YouTube, a YouTube channel where he's talking about like dream therapy and like how to get over your dreams and the power that lies in your dreams. And we Mm -hmm. find out that it's an adult Jacob. Oh, no. Yeah. It's Alice's son. And he's using the, the lessons he learned from his mother about your dream powers and about how mm. to take control of your dreams. So they hook up with him like they contact him like, hey, you know, we're having problems, yada, yada, yada. Right. So now Lisa and Jesse are going to do the same thing. They're going to try to find out, like, is there any way we can get past this? And they're going to find out there are other people out there like them. Mm-hmm. So they're going to end up hooking up with like Jacob will be the focal point, because, again, 
Freddy was feeding him souls. So he's going to have a strong tie to Freddy as well. So we're going to bring our ancillary characters in using Jacob and Alice. Now, eventually, maybe Neil, you know, like if, with his whole like, or no, not, I'm sorry, not Neil, uh, Doc, with his whole like, you know, dream therapy, take control of dreams, yada, yada, yada. Maybe we find out that Jacob was like a student of his or something like that. Like yeah. we have to have a way to bring them all together. So I feel like if we have uh, Will and Lori reach out to Jacob because he's got this like super popular YouTube channel all about dream therapy. Um, and then, you know, Lisa and, and, uh, Jesse reach out as well and then have him reach out to doc and be like, Hey doc, you know, I'm, I got like a lot of people contact me about this like nightmare monster. Like they're all having re- repeat dreams of the same creature, you know, maybe it's Freddy type of thing. So we could, we could, I mean, it's, it's a little loose, you know, maybe you can think of something no, better. No, 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 that's but, good. So what I'm thinking is, you know, yeah, Jacob was, um, I guess it kind of it kind of begs the question of like, does Jacob know who Freddie is? Does he remember? I think that's going to be pivotal in like in how he acts as the linchpin. But um, let's just say that he doesn't really remember Freddie in enough detail to like really know. Like he just knows that he he had these terrible nightmares as a kid. He knows about the darkness that comes in dreams. And yeah, so he grows up. Maybe he studies with Doc. You know, he travels the world. You know, whatever. I, I don't remember what culture it was where. Uh, was it Kristen or Kristen? She had that like a uh, dream uh, guardian statue. You know, it was like a. Oh, that was Nancy. 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 Nancy right. Yeah. Because yeah. Nancy gave it to Neil. That's right. Yeah. Whatever. So the point is that Jacob is like studying with all of these, uh, you know, different, you know, sort of cultures. And he, so he's I want him to be sort of very like new agey, you know, very, yeah. very much like uh, like he'd be a cult leader. You know, <laughs> kind of. He's, a, he's the YouTube guru. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what he is. He's the guru. Right. So. I think you're right. I think we have Jesse and Lisa who are very much on their own, but they're like, we got to, we like, we got to get some help because, you know, Freddie's been dead in a long time. He's not hurting you. He's not killing you. It's just nightmares. Like there's gotta be a way to just make the nightmares go away because they're not believing that there's any real physical danger. They're just like, ah, these fucking nightmares. It's like a hiccup that won't go away, you know? So they look up online, they find, they find Jacob and maybe Jacob is just living in Springwood. And maybe he doesn't understand exactly like what the danger was because he doesn't really understand Freddy, but he he's drawn to the stories and the legacy, the lore. And so he sort of set up camp in Springwood, like the town that fears sleep. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. And, he's, and he's basically built up this following in person not only not just online he has almost like a church where he's teaching people how to sleep peacefully not necessarily how to battle like doc and neil might think to do like you know to have like dream um, warfare or dream like defense but he's just like we need to learn how to sleep a dreamless peaceful calming sleep you know right and, yeah Right. And so Jesse and Lisa are going to like physically go to him like they want to learn from him in person. Like maybe they reach out to him. He's like, you know, come come talk to me like, you know, come you'll meet my flock or whatever. You know, I'm not sure how like culty we want to get with it. But then, you know, and maybe we see Yvonne, who's like online goofing around in Doc's office one day. And she's like, oh, this this freaking kid, this Jacob kid, like she just thinks he's silly because he's this like YouTube celebrity who's like, you, you, you don't ever have to dream. And they're like, yeah, right. Because they've spent decades, you know, learning how to fight because they can't 
dream or they can't not dream. You know Hell, what I mean? Maybe, maybe she's annoyed because she was Alice's, you know, best friend in, in yeah. five. And she's like, ah, oh, Jacob, you've turned away from, you know, the things your mother taught you type of thing. Exactly. Right. So Jacob's become like human hypnosil through like meditation and, you know, whatever. You know what I mean? I love yeah, it. And, and Yvonne knows who he is because she's like, oh, this fucking kid. Like, he's just become some kind of a weirdo. Like, this isn't what Alice was about. Alice was, you know, a, you know, a fucking a badass, you know, fighter with us, you know, who who learned how to battle and to take take charge and control. Um, and uh, so I'm not sure where Alice is in the story. Is Alice with Jacob? Is she? Uh, they have to be estranged in some way. I think would be better. Is Alice maybe off on her own somewhere? But like you know, she comes out of you know she comes out of hiding or retirement or whatever it is. But I'm thinking that Jesse and Lisa go to Springwood to like learn at the feet of like Jacob, and maybe maybe we find out that Jacob doesn't really know who Freddie is specifically. But, like, he does understand his own dream power. Like, he has a dream power in the way that the Dream Warriors and, you know, Alice did. Like, a a supernatural, superhuman power. And so he's not just – he's not really teaching people how not to dream. He's actually using this, like, superpower that he has to bring people close to him where he could affect them. And he's allowing them to sleep peacefully because that's his dream power, right, is I can Ah. – and so I can sleep peacefully and maybe that's part of why Alice like stays away because she's like, no, I can't afford to be, you know, drugged up or whatever, or, or, or blissed out, you know, or whatever it is. Right. Dude. Um, so, but some, so, but because of this like online connection, you know, maybe, you know, the Maggie, Tracy, doc, Neely, Vaughn group, like they decide, Hey, we need to go and like recruit Jacob. Like he's a, he's, a, he's a dream, you know, superhero. We need him on our team. Go ahead. Oh, dude. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, shit. <laughs> I'm excited now. So you mentioned that he's in Springwood, you know, the, the capital that fears sleep. Like nobody else is in Springwood. Like, like, fuck, let's have, of course, Maggie would, would, I mean, Maggie didn't live there to begin with in the, in the, in part six. So of course she would stay the fuck away from Springwood after her experiences there. So Maggie, Doc, all of them, they're not in Springwood. You know, Jesse, Lisa, they're not in Springwood. Uh, um, uh, Frickin, um, Will and Lori, they're not in Springwood. But Jacob goes there and like, yeah, he's he's this fucking guru, um, the sleep guru. And here's the thing, like he inherited some of his mom's power. Like she was the whole quote unquote dream master. And mm-hmm. what was the one po- like what was the first power she got? The first power she got was Kirsten's power to bring others into your dream. Mm-hmm. There you so go. she inherits or so or, I'm sorry, Jacob inherits part of her powers. So, yeah, like people have to be around him. And what he's doing is because he can sleep peacefully, he's bringing them into his peaceful dream. So it's not oh, that they're so, dreaming peacefully. He's literally bringing them into his peaceful dream. OK, yeah. So it's not that they're dreamless or having happy dreams. They're all in his dream. OK, that's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. So he's almost like a force field, like he's protecting these people. And maybe he doesn't even know he's doing it. He just thinks he's teaching others to like through sleep therapy to like dream peacefully the way he does. And, you know, and and he's seeing them in his dream, unknowing that he's using the dream power he inherited from his mother. Okay, so what if Yvonne calls up Alice and she's like, hey, there's some shit going down. But Alice is like in hiding retirement, you know, whatever, off the grid somewhere. And Yvonne's like, you know, there's Freddie like 
dream sleep deaths happening all over the country. They're on Elm Street. It's like, this is some serious business. This is like Freddie come back somehow. And we need like, we need the pros. So like yeah. Yvonne calls up Alice and she's like, Alice is like, nope, 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 nope. <laughs> you know, like yeah. I, I did that, been there, done that. I'm old. I'm retired. I'm done with it. You know? And, but maybe Yvonne's like, well, okay, well, what about Jacob? And she, and Alice is just like, nope, nope, don't, don't, nope, nope. Don't talk to him. Like, don't no, maybe because maybe what Alice is afraid of is that she knows the power that Jacob has. And she is, it's a combination of like, don't go to him because peaceful sleep is is uh, vulnerable sleep, right? And yes. you're gonna you're gonna be vulnerable to Freddie because you're gonna be blissed out and not uh, aware of like how exposed you are, but also because Jacob is so powerful that if if Freddie were to get even a toehold in there somewhere and and get to Jacob in even the smallest way, Jacob would be like you know, the fear God incarnate, right? Like we, like you have to stay yeah. away, stay away. Just let him have his little cult. He's keeping Springwood safe and don't like kick the hornet's nest, you know, but Yvonne doesn't listen, <laughs> you know? And they're Dude. like, no, no, like if, if he's really this powerful, we need his help. We got, we got to go there. So like they jump in the van, go to Springwood. Alice is like, Damn it! And she's, you know, coming out of hiding wherever she's from, and now she's on her on the road to 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 Springwood. You know, Jesse and Lisa are already there, right? So now, and we got to get Lori and Will and Quentin and Nancy there, like somehow. Dude, okay. Oh, <laughs> I love this. Um, okay, so yes, if we get Freddie into Jacob's dream, he will spread it. It's like a computer virus on a network. There you go. You know. If Freddie can get into that calm dream that Jacob has where he's helping all of these other people sleep, it'll suddenly spread to all of them. Now, Freddie has not had the power of fear with him uh, for forever. Like, you know, it's, it, it took Robert's dreams to get Freddie some semblance of power. So now he's able to to poke, poke at the others who escaped him and be like, let me give you a bad dream and you a bad dream. But it's not. It's not nightmare level. It's not to the point where it's interrupting their lives the way it used to. It's just enough to be concerning. You know, so this is why they're reaching out and looking for for answers to their questions. But by bringing Robert to Springwood, they end up unknowingly giving Freddie the keys to the kingdom. They give because Robert's now there. Jacob tries to help Robert. Suddenly. Freddie is in the dream. He's in the dream. He's in the Springwood dream. So now all of these characters have to face their own version of Freddie. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So we're going to, you're going to, we're going to, you know, that's, that's just great. So we're going to like, they're going to take, oh, Jesus, this is so good. So they're basically going to take Robert, who's like the battery and like stick him into the machine that is Jacob. And when you put those yes. two things together, it's like the the machine is humming and Freddie is like, it's prime time, bitch. Like, I'm back, yes. you know? Yes. And so, yeah, yeah, this is perfect. So up till now, we've seen Freddie like reach out a little bit. He'll give Jesse a bad dream. He'll give Lisa a bad dream. You know, he'll get Yvonne. He'll maybe if we find out even Alice had some bad dreams, but she was like living in denial, whatever. But again, we have to have at least a couple of the kills, even if it's just like a few, oh, just yeah, en- yeah. just just enough so that like the Doc, Yvonne, you know, group, that little quintet with Maggie, they're like, wait a second. This is like the third person to die in their sleep on like it's Elm Street in L.A. And this is Elm Street.
Street, you know, in Arizona, you know, whatever, like Mesa, Arizona, and this is Elm Street in, you know, like Pittsburgh or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, yep. like it's like it can't be a coincidence. And that's what kind of kicks this off. But now as soon as you plug Robert into the, the, the Robert battery into like the Jacob, you know, machine, suddenly Freddie is just like that virus is just going to spread everywhere. And like overnight, it's like people are just waking up screaming, not waking up at all, dying in their sleep. We're going to see this crazy montage of like every like Freddie imaginable, all of the like multiverse, you know, versions of Freddie yes! in this <laughs> montage. And now and then it's going to be like, oh, fuck, like that's going to be like our second act, like like uh, everything is now a horrible moment where like, how are we going to possibly come back from this? Dude, I fucking love it. I love it. Um, OK, so a couple of things. We haven't talked about any kills whatsoever yet. So, yeah, you're right. We do need kills in this film. Um, and again, in, in nightmare fashion, we have to have like weird, grandiose, like crazy special effects because that's let's be honest that's what the nightmare movies are they're a celebration of special effects um so when you you mentioned arizona and and the first thing that that i i I thought of was some kind of sand related death some kind of desert thing and we already have the the scene in nightmare 2 where they kind of drive out into the desert and like the world falls apart and they're standing on the 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 pillars and the bus Mm -hmm. so what if we, we just have somebody like get sucked down into the into the sand, you know, a la Tremor style? <laughs> yeah, I was thinking and, the same thing. Tremors. Yeah. Yeah. And then we have like we see the sand like moving all around them and then fucking call back to the Freddy worm, have like the Freddy worm come up and fucking swallow the person. Oh, dude. Know? And now that we live in a world where like there's finally an actual big budget successful Dune movie, like let's do a fucking like, you know, Shai Halud sand monster, sandworm, right. like, but it's Freddy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and he just comes up and fucking swallows him, you know? Um, yeah. Like we, we got to have some some crazy uh, death sequences, you know, in this film. But mm-hmm. I, that was the first one that popped in my head when you said the sand thing. Um, but also we got to make sure that the characters have dream powers or at least a reason for these survivors to team up and, you know, fight like, you know, team survivor versus team Freddy. The first one that came to my mind that I think would be really fun. Uh, you had mentioned league of extraordinary gentlemen earlier. Take Jesse. All right. Have him kind of be the Jekyll Hyde character. He's already been an avatar for Freddy. Mm-hmm. What if in the dream world, he has some of those dark powers. What if like, you know, he goes up against Freddy and and Jesse sprouts, you know, the knives on his hands as well. And it's almost like a fucking nice. knife battle, you know, like fucking claws against claws type of thing. Well, that's Whereas, awesome because he, he's, he's like the evil twin, except he's like the good twin, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't know what else what else we could do for, for the other characters, because there's always like kind of a lame power, like, oh, I have acrobatics or I have a mohawk, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I think we, I think what we'd have to do is we'd have to establish like like the Quentin and Nancy from the remake, for example. Like, we'd have to establish something where like now it's like years later. Take some element of their personality. Like, wasn't Quentin the one that had ADHD, yes. right? And maybe he's he's like a speedster now, right? Like a suit, like he's super fast. Like Freddie right. can't Freddie can't slash him because he doesn't. He you know he's like the uh, you know bouncing all over the place like Roger Rabbit or something. You know what I mean? Like something like that. Well, yeah. We can kind of we can kind of we have to establish that like pretty simple 
uh, trait. And like, as soon as we see them and then that trait becomes, you know, magnified later on. Cause that's, that's what they do. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. this, this, this guy's a comic book artist. This guy's deaf. This guy, you know, this, this woman kicks ass, you know, whatever they, they kind of turn all that into their superpowers. But I have, I have one I, I want to do since we mentioned Christmas, the 13th, we mentioned like the tie in to like, you know, the, uh, the other killers, the other avatars, like, of course this all, obviously it comes down to like rights but like come on we have to kill at least one of the survivors from the previous movie like oh like they, they can't all continue to be survivors they're yeah they're in the survivor club but they're not all gonna make it so like dude we already mentioned laurie and will from Freddy versus jason like they're working for tommy how hilarious would it be if they're working for tommy at this camp like helping them out what if they're the ones that freddie successfully reaches out to after like the virus goes you know uh, goes everywhere and what if their uh bogart version of freddy is jason as <laughs> freddy right oh my god yes it's jason in freddy's like sweater with like the claw hand but he still has like the hockey mask on you know <laughs> <laughs> but okay hold on since we're going that far we got we got to have instead of just like the knives he's got to have like an oversized glove of machetes yeah <laughs> Yes. Exactly. Oh, so good. Oh God, that's so good. Yes. Yes. And he, and he just, he's got it obviously. So we don't, we don't, Lori and Will don't get to be in the rest of the movie. Like they, they have to be our sacrificial lambs. Oh, but yeah, like, they're they're going to die. Holy <laughs> shit. Dude, we got, we got, we got to get like, you know, and this is going to be the scene where like, they don't put it in the trailer. No one knows about it. It's going to be like the one, the scene that's going to shock everybody when like Kane Hodder comes out as like Jason yes! as Freddy, you know, <laughs> like, my God, yes. With a machete glove hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my oh, my God. That's, God. So good. that's, that's so freaking good. hilarious. So oh, God. Oh, one more, like, quick callback to our uh, Nightmare uh, remake talk. You know what it was about the Freddy makeup that bothered me? It's the that? same the same thing I didn't like about the Uber Jason metal, like, pick face mask. Uh-huh. Not that it's terrible, because, like, whatever, they're going to do their thing. But the reason it didn't work for me is because Jason should not have emotions. But that, like, Uber Jason mask had emotions because it had, like, a furrowed brow and, like, a crunched yeah. up nose. And he looked mean and mad, right? He looked angry. Whereas and you the can Jack- see his eyes. Yeah, exactly. And they look big and mad. Like, you know, like it, he shouldn't have that emotion. Like the most Jason should ever be is slightly annoyed with like heavy breathing. Like that's it, you know, yep. whereas Jackie Earl Haley and Fre- Freddie is the opposite. Freddie is just laughing and hysterical. And even when he's being defeated, he's screaming in pain. Like he's not afraid to like feel his feelings, yo, you know, but like <laughs> Jackie Earl Haley was so stone faced most of the time that I was like, that's the problem with it. Not it's not that they went a different direction. It's because there's a there's a critical element of the character that's like backwards, you know, like Jason, Jason is is the you know, he's the shape in the darkness, just like Michael Myers. And Freddy's the exact opposite of that. So like flipping up the facial features, it just it's jarring to see it. Not bad necessarily, because I like Uber Jason, but it's 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 weird, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so we kill Laurie and Will. <laughs> with... Yeah, fuck them. <laughs> Screw them. We don't need them. We don't. We can bring in Quentin and Nancy. They're gonna have to die too, but they can get to Springwood at least, and then you yeah, know, fuck fuck them after that. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, you need a body count. And yeah. I, and, exactly. I, and I know, like, the nightmare movies aren't known for their high body counts, but there's not a single nightmare movie where every one of the players makes it out alive. So since yeah. we're bringing back all of the surviving players, we know a handful of those players aren't going to make it out alive. Yeah, exactly. In, in part four, 
uh, Freddie kills five high school students in the first like half an hour of the movie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's like, yeah, his body count may not be like Jason level quantity, but like he wasn't fucking around. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, he, he definitely took a lot of people out, but, uh, but yeah, so we, we kill off Lori, Lori and well, I, lo- I love, I love the, the Jason as Freddie. Oh my God. That's so much fun. And what's uh, so cool is, is if you can't get the rights to Jason, you can just do it off camera. You just, you just see like this big hulking figure come in and then like you see the hand come out of the shadow and it's like the machete glove hand. And it's like, you'll know what you'll know. You'll, oh yeah. Like, you'll, you'll get it. You know, <laughs> and, and let's be honest. The nightmare franchise is kind of known for uh for doing a couple of things that they they, they don't know if they could get away with <laughs> yeah <laughs> I like, mean. like part six there's that that famous thing where it's like you know you forgot the power glove and then yeah. he's like you know now i'm playing with power like nintendo specifically said to them you can't do that yeah like you did, you did it anyway <laughs> yeah well apparently robert shea was like you know what um let, let's just, it's too great of a, of a scene let, let's just do it and if they sue us they sue us and that's they risked it, and Nintendo was like, "Oh, people loved it. It got us good press. Yeah, okay, it was. We, we're good. We're good." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they definitely pushed the envelope. There was like, you know, kind of Rambo, kind of Wicked Witch of the West. You know, yeah. like they they did a little bit of kind of this, kind of that, like wink, wink, nudge, nudge. So like, yeah, we could we could if they couldn't just put you know Jason in the movie, they could they could do it. People would know who it was. Oh yeah. And I you know I'm not I'm not any expert on rights and and how that all works, but. Uh, I don't know. They they might actually have some like claim to at least the the look of Jason that was in Freddy versus Jason. You know what I'm saying? Like there might yeah, be some kind of crossover where it's like they can do something with it because it's already part of this franchise. Again, I could be totally wrong on that. But yeah, and, and 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 there was the recent like court case, and I can't remember the writer's name off the top of my head, and I should know this, but you know he kind of won the rights back to like you know Jason as like a character. But you're right, right it, but it goes back to the idea of like why why do the monsters in the Monster Squad not look exactly like the Universal Monsters? Because that movie could just be in the Universal Monsters, you know, a filmed franchise, but they right. had to be a little bit different because they didn't have rights to them because MGM or whoever it is, like they own the rights to the cinematic portrayal. Like they couldn't make Frankenstein like green skin with like bolts in his neck because the other movie studio like owns that, that visual look. They, they own that design. They don't own Frankenstein. That's in the public domain, but they right. own the design, you know? So yeah, you're right. Like they could have a character that looks the way he looks in Freddy versus Jason or whatever, but they couldn't call him Jason, you know, and they probably had to have some limitation to like the amount of screen time that the hockey mask could have or whatever the fuck, but who cares that this is a, this is a fantasy football style movie. So we're just, you know, yeah. we're, we're just having fun. Um, cause we probably couldn't get all, of, we probably couldn't get most of this crap in the movie, but you know, whatever. yeah. And I mean, let's be honest. Some of the, some of these actors, I don't know if, I mean, I'm pretty sure that, uh, Yafet Koto is, uh, is not alive anymore. Um, who, so we'd have to have a different actor playing doc and we're definitely playing fast and loose with the timeline. If Jacob is an adult and, and Maggie has a kid, it's like how much time passed between those movies, you know, there's a lot of stuff we're playing with here. So yeah, they did the same thing. I noticed that too. When you're watching part six, like critically where John was convinced he was Freddie's kid, but like 
the school teacher guy specifically said that uh, Freddy's kid was born in 1966, right? Yeah. So a character born in 1966, even when that movie came out in the 90s, like John was too young to be that yeah. person. So like, they like were all, early 20s or something. Yeah. So they they were already kind of like screwing around. You know, it's like, yeah, who cares? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> you know, we'll have fun so, with it. So we get the like you said, we get the group to uh, to Jacob's little compound in Springwood. Uh, you know, we, we have him help quote unquote help Robert, which like you said, creates the, the, the one night of terror <laughs> across the, across the globe or across mm-hmm. at least the United States where, uh, we see the, the montage of Freddy kills and, you know, all the different Freddies and all that. And then maybe all of our characters also have nightmares that night. Like every one of them, like, you know, doc and Neil and Yvonne, everybody has a Freddy nightmare. And it's like, oh, shit, like we let him back. We brought him back. So now we have to have the showdown. So now they have to come up with a plan. Maybe for the first time, Jacob, his his sleep is interrupted. You know, he tries to help Robert. And for the first time ever, he has a bad dream that he can remember. Mm. And like, you know, he wakes up and he's like, oh, my God, what happened? And because he had the bad dream, everybody else had the bad dream. You know, so he's he's shaken to his core. He doesn't understand it. Maybe, you know, Alice comes back in at this point, tries to help him to understand his dream power is like, this is why I stayed away. I didn't want to give Freddy an in, you know, maybe because uh, she's fought against him so much. She's like, I didn't want him to harm you, you know, to harm her son. <clears throat> so, you know, now we have the group having to fight Freddy. So they got to figure out how do we take him down, you know? Do we bring him into the real world like we've done a thousand other times? Do they face him in the dream world? I think they're going to try first to face him in the dream world using their collective dream powers. Mm-hmm. So we have we have the group of, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, we kill off Doc. We kill off Tracy. You know, we kill a couple of these characters off. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe Neil sacrifices himself trying to wake somebody up. You yeah. know, we don't we don't need to figure out all the details here, but we we're going right. one. One by one, we're going to take down some characters. Yeah, um, yeah. I think I think Maggie needs to survive. I I want Jesse to survive. You know, may, maybe we lose Lisa. Um, yeah. I kind of I kind of feel like Yvonne should too. And that's just a personal. I personally just love Kelly Jo Mintner, and so yeah, me too. Uh, <laughs> and, it's, and she's been cut cut out of some really good movies that she should have been in. So I kind of feel yeah. like we got we got to give her a good one here. <laughs> so well, here here's what we'll do. We'll have we'll have Jesse almost get killed. Lisa will save him in the dream world because Lisa has like he is the final girl to to, to Lisa, you know, (laughs) so, you know, we'll have her sacrifice herself to save to save Jesse, you know, and it's like the the final act of their friendship. Um, You know, maybe maybe Yvonne is working with Alice like she helps Alice out and, you know, we're going to have multiple people get killed in the dream. Right. So how do we how do we defeat Freddy? Well, we use Jacob's power to bring the good dream back. So we were, that's his dream power is to bring everybody in, create a, so he's, he's the light in the darkness, trying to push the darkness out of their collective dream again. Oh, dude, light bulbs, the light bulb moment is happening (laughs) again. It's like the third time, right? Yep. Dude. Okay. Let's think about this. 
they've tried everything to kill Freddy and it never works. Freddy even mentions in part six that like, I am eternal. I am immortal as long as people dream. Right. Right. Because so they, they tried killing him in the dream world. They tried bringing him into the real world and killing him that way. They tried to use his like relatives to kill him. They tried to trap him with like the ghost of his mom. Like they've tried everything. So like, 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 it's just it's just poetic justice to you know kill somebody with like you know uh, either the thing they love best or the thing that they hate best. Like, what if we kill Freddy, or at least we trap him forever within the nicest dream possible, like the opposite of a nightmare? Take the nightmare away and trap him forever in Jacob's like happy little like dancing in the tall grass kumbaya fucking peaceful dream because and what we do is we have to have the Jacob Robert like combo they they sacrifice themselves or at least one at least Jacob does and then uh so that we we need to have Jacob like trapped in a like coma like a I was forever gonna, yes right? I was going to say <laughs> coma yes. yeah yeah not not sacrifice it because at first I was thinking like have trapped Freddy inside of somebody's mind or dream and then kill that person. But I'm thinking, no, fuck him, like torture him for every way he's been torturing everybody else. But he'll be tortured with the, you know, with the sing alongs and the and the, and the, and the ring around the rosies and, the you know, and, do, 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 and do, the do. bright and the bright sunlight and the and all that bullshit. Like it'll be so happy and like sugary. Oh, this is perfect because, OK, uh, the original concept for part six, the one that Peter Jackson pitched. He wanted somebody like like everyone was not afraid of Freddy anymore. In fact, like in, in that dream and that or in that movie uh, that he pitched, these kids were like taking sleeping pills to like go and beat on Freddy. Like, you know, he became mm-hmm. he became like a joke. They took away all of his fear. And the movie was going to surround around a cop who gets into an accident and has a nightmare. And Freddy is able to latch on to that. And the cop ends up in a coma. So he's in like constant, uh, you know, constant dream state. So yeah. Freddie is just feeding on his fear and getting stronger and stronger and stronger until he lashes out. Well, obviously they didn't go with that script because, you know, we got the part six that we got. So, yeah. So we're going to take that, that idea of the coma, right? So we have Jacob goes into a coma. May, hell, maybe it's a medically induced coma. Like maybe that's mm-hmm. what doc and Neil do. Like they yeah. use some kind of fucking combo of illicit hypnosil and, or no, they wouldn't want to use hypnosil cause they want him to dream. Uh, they use some kind of like, you know, cocktail of drugs and fucking put him into a, an, into a wake or into a uh, permanent coma. But that, that, uh, you mentioned like the, the happy field of, you know, like, uh, you know, songs and whatnot. What if, the one thing that Jacob sits in front of the thing he's sitting in front of, in front of like the whole sing along happy field is Mm -hmm. a burnt elm tree. Oh, nice. Like no more shade. Just trapped in the middle of the the field. There's this one leafless burnt elm tree that Jacob sits down in front of on his little mat and, you know, helps everybody dream happily. Oh, that's all. Okay. Okay. So here's what we do, right? So, (laughs) so, we get Robert and Jacob together when their powers combined, right? So we have Jacob who has the power to – he's the ultimate dream control. That's what his power really is, his ultimate dream control. He can dream whatever he wants, and what he wants is to be happy and to let other people be happy, like, right? So that's how we kind of define what the power is. Mm-hmm. Where, and then we have Robert whose power is to, like, multiply and magnify, and that's why Freddie – 
first of all, he has the power because of his connection to Freddie and he, and why Freddie wants him. Cause he's like, you know, he's the, he's an aggregator, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna take the, a little bit of power and just multiply it across the world, the, the country. So when you get Robert and Jacob together, and maybe, you know, there's a little bit of like Freddie kind of manipulating people to like, go to Springwood, go to Springwood, you know? Right. All right. And so you get Robert there and he's our main character. So we got to he has to be the one who gets to take Freddie down. We have all of our survivors and they're there, but they become, you know, the the supporting cast. Right. Robert has to be the main character. So when they're together, it becomes Robert and Jacob's fault, unknowingly, unwittingly, that. Freddie suddenly has now he has this, uh, you know, multiplier that's going to allow him to spread viral, like literally like and right. we have this we have, you know, the night, the night of the long dreams, you know, the the whatever the the, the nightmare uh, plague. And then what that does is it, it, it Jacob becomes so traumatized because, again, his power is, you know, he can control his dreams and now he's lost control for the first time ever. And also just, you know, literally like just scared out of his mind. Like we just, he just, he's just broken, like completely. His brain is shattered. He goes into a coma. And then, so after like that first night of like nightmare deaths, like slaughter all over the country, like they're seeing news reports, they're hearing about it. You know, we've lost Lori, we've lost Will, maybe we've lost, you know, Quentin, whoever. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and as our, as our survivors are like recovering from it and they're trying to plan, like, what do we do now? Like we've not only let Freddie out, but we've multiplied him like gremlins. Like there's another, another gremlin reference, you know, (laughs) we fed him after midnight (laughs) and thrown water on him. (laughs) Exactly. Right. Um, so, uh, uh, so, you know, Robert has to be the one who's going to like take charge and be like, you know, like, uh, like I can do this, you know, like it was my fault. Like I want to help. So there, we have to have like the big, like dream warrior showdown, like they're all the survivors, whatever it is, we, we can kind of work out the details. We, the next night they all go to sleep, like on purpose, they have a plan. They're going to go in and they're going to, we're going to, they're all going to do battle with Freddie, but Freddie's going to show up. Like he's going to bring other versions of himself. Like we're going to, we're going to see the Jackie Earl Haley and the Alice Cooper or whatever. Like, and we're going to have a, like a battle Royal in the dream. And Robert is like, he's like, he's like, you know, trying to, you know, the, the metaphor of like, he's slashing through people trying to get to Freddie, you know, like just, he's yeah. like with his like mental sword, you know, so to speak, just taken down, you know, uh, Freddie copies to get to the, you know, the, the, uh, the, er Freddie, you know, the original right. one. And, <laughs> and, and he's going to, and, and so he's, and what he's, so he's going to like lock into combat with Freddie and it's like, you know, they're going to wax, they're going to wane, the Freddies are going to take are going to take the lead, the Dream Warriors are going to get the upper hand, kind of back and forth. Whatever the point is, is that Robert has to understand what he's going to do is uh, he's going to sacrifice himself. And Jacob kind of did like unknowingly, but Robert's going to like he's going to like, you know, this is this is for everybody. And we, we need to have Robert, who has this like magnifying power. He's going to grab Freddie, like physically grab Freddie, jump into Jacob's coma kumbaya dream and then uh robert he has to die whether he 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 kills himself or someone else kills him or even freddie kills him maybe he's just like maybe he jumps in there and freddie kills him like ha it didn't work and then robert is just like you know 
ah, uh-uh, bitch, you know, you just damned yourself forever because you killed me and now you can't get out of here and you're stuck in here forever because Jacob's never going to wake up. I like it, but I had an I had an ending idea uh, go that for it. Would, would need Robert to be alive. So, OK, no, no, go for it. Go for it. We we, right. we, we flip flopped in the past. We can we, let's let's work this out. All right. So I like I love the idea of him, of Robert being the one that has to, to take down Freddy, has to take down the original Freddy. So he's he's going through, like you said, he, he's he's fighting. You know, maybe he he fights his way into like you know the happy little field of Jacob's dream. You know, they, they're they're fighting in there. You know, he maybe I don't know how he would do it, but somehow he lights Freddy on fire. You know, who, you know, the original way that Freddy died was by fire. So we're, we'll do mm-hmm. that again. We'll have him you know be the the metaphorical burnt elm tree in Jacob's dream. But maybe it looks like Robert dies. Like Freddy, you know, stabs him in the chest in the dream. And, you know, Robert feels like he's, you know, like he slips away. We cut to black, right? Now we see Robert opening his eyes. He's in the hospital. He had been, you know, like injured in the real world because what happens in the dream happens in the real world. He didn't die. Maybe he almost died, right? Laying in the, the hospital bed. His his mom is there, <clears throat> you know, maybe Neil or whoever, whatever, whatever other survivors are there. Um, they'd been watching over him, taking shifts, whatever. It, it's been like weeks. Let's say he's, he's been in a coma along with with Jacob. He comes to we see, you know, Freddy's dead, quote unquote. Um, they've defeated Freddy. They've beaten the nightmare. Everybody go oh, happy, go lucky, all that. Now we fast forward, you know, 10 months later, a year later, whatever it is. We see Robert getting ready for school. You know, his his mom is there. You know, she's like, oh, you're going to be late for school. We see him look down. Maybe he has like a pet rat or something or a pet hamster. Picks up the pet, kills it, and then washes his hands, walks down like, I'm coming, mom. And we see the look on his face. He has the Freddy look. You know, Freddy is still there. He used his bloodline to get out still. So he's still out there. He's still out in the real world. And he's still going to manifest again later. And credits roll, right? Yes. Okay. Okay. No, this is good. Okay. So that look when he comes down the stairs has to be his eyes flash yellow. Yes. Let's go back. Go back to that first sequence. Tie it back in. Right. Okay. So, so back up to, no, I love it. That's love it. Love it so much. Um, So here's what we do. So back up just a little bit. Mm -hmm. So we have, again, we have Freddie and the the Freddie army and the dream warrior army, and we have our big climactic battle. Right. And maybe, maybe, uh, Maybe Freddy, like, purposely, like, he takes the battle into Jacob's dream because he's the kind of person who's just going to, like, want to twist that fucking knife in and and just screw with them. And he goes into Jacob's dream, and here's all the people of Springwood who have been enjoying this, like, they've been this shared, peaceful, you know, uh, dream of, of happiness. And Freddy just goes in there with his Freddy army and just starts hacking people, just slaying them left and right and he's he's in his glory like aha i got in here i got into you know back to the garden of eden and i'm gonna destroy everything and in the middle of this dream is this big tree the metaphor we're doing here is that you know basically it's like he's invading like heaven itself you know i mean this evil the the demons have are have have stormed the gates of heaven right and then Right. So you know, Robert and the Dream Warriors are there, and that's where they face off. They face off in this big field, and the Dream Warriors are stopping the Freddy army. And, we, and, and it comes down to like, you know, everyone in Springwood is dead. 
you know, all of our dream warriors, you know, who aren't going to survive are dead or, or they're knocked out. They're knocked out of the dream and it's nothing but like original Freddie and Robert left. And, but again, Robert, his power is to like magnify and multiply. And like, you know, he's the, the, the aggregator. So what he realizes is that like, he's gonna, he's gonna make this happy, this happy dream that Freddie destroyed he can just fix it he can just snap his fingers and like turn it right back on and magnify jacob's power like restore heaven to what it was but then he restores heaven to what it was but then here comes everybody all the souls that freddie killed all of the victims from every movie every actor who's still alive we could get and they're coming out of this like spiritual realm and they are going to become like this lynch mob and they're all going to throw fire at Freddie and at this tree in the middle of the field. Yes. Right. And they're going to burn him up and burn up the tree and take away whatever shadow might be left under that tree. And it's like full circle back to how Freddie, the human like became Freddie, the monster. And they're going to try to destroy him in that way, like, you know, burn him up and then and trap him in this dream forever. You know, maybe not burned to ash, but just like, you know, tortured this, in pain. This husk. You know? Yeah. Yeah. A burnt just, husk of the tree. And just left like Voldemort at the end of, you know, Deathly Hollows or whatever. Just left. Hell yes. Right. And just trapped. And then and then Robert's just going to like snap his fingers and like blink out like he wake or 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 maybe at the last second, like Freddie gets one more like fuck you and like stabs him with like the one knife he has left, you know, and it's just the and but yeah, but Robert wakes up. He's in the hospital, like you said, and he's like, it's OK. It's OK. Like I lived like he get Freddie got in that last shot, but like, you know, it's okay. He's trapped there forever. We never have to worry about him ever again. Right. And then like you said, right. Fade to black fast forward. Maybe it's like the credits roll and we get that little stinger like five minutes later. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we see the scene that you just explained where it's like, you know, there was a sequence in part six when we saw the flashback to Freddie's childhood where he like, that's bashes. What I was co- yeah, that's what I was thinking of where he bashes the hamster. Yeah, exactly. So it was like, have a callback to, to uh, you know, childhood Freddy starting his sadistic killing spree by killing a, a small animal, like mm-hmm. most serial killers do. Have Robert, unbeknownst to his mom, like, kill his pet. And then mm-hmm. you get that flash of yellow. And, I mean, that's also something we've seen in a lot of movies. Like, in, in the remake of, of Halloween, you know, Michael starts off killing his his, his pet rats. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so we, we, we and, and like I want to say it was like in Dexter, they did that with like a, an animal. There's a couple different uh, like movies and shows where they show like a killer starting off by killing small animals and um, including Freddy Krueger in part six. So, of course, if Robert is is now going to become the new avatar of Freddy to to keep him running, to keep the nightmare alive for the next sequel, mm. um you know, he, of course, he would have to, like, start off by doing something small like that and kind of, you know, cue the audience. Oh, shit. <laughs> they didn't kill yeah. him. You know, like, you, you, you can't have a nightmare movie that doesn't have some kind of a little stinger at the end, whether it makes sense or not. Who cares? You know, and like, you, you know what? Let, let's let's one up it. Let's have it be like dreary and foggy outside. So you, you have to question, like, wait. Is he dreaming? Did that happen? Like, what? What, what is it? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Just like, just, just like, just like at the end of part one, when you see that really, that like bucolic happy ending, and the light is very like, it's kind of coming from everywhere at once, and it's a little hazy, and it's like, is it like angelic or is it like, are they in a dream? Like, you don't really quite know what's going on. No, that's awesome. Yeah, that's perfect. Dude, this this went in directions I had no plans for. Like, little little peek behind the curtain, folks. Like. Uh, when when Josh and I had discussed 
um, you know, this idea because we were we were we were planning a different episode, which we granted we will do. Um, but we were discussing it and I had mentioned that I would love to one day uh, talk about, you know, a nightmare sequel. And that kind of got us down the path of like, oh, yeah, let's do a birthday movie. Great. Cool. We'll do Nightmare. I have been trying so hard not to think about <laughs> this project because because we love to to have the creation happen organically on the show. And, um, you know, the only ideas that I had in my head were the grandson of Freddie have to, taking into account what Robert England himself had said and have multiple people play Freddy. So we got to do the multiple Freddies. And I wanted to bring back the survivors from the other films. Like those were the, the three elements. And man, I was trying so hard not to think about this for like two weeks straight, <laughs> but yeah, this no, went I, in a totally new direction and I'm so happy with it. And I'm so glad that you did that too, because I had no idea what you were going to talk about. You told me, that you wanted to talk about a nightmare and you were like, just watch the movies. And there's like, there's, there's like something in part six that I might want to use. And I'm like, cool. Like that was it. That's literally all I knew. And so I was just cool. I'm just going to watch the movies. And, um, I, I actually didn't finish watching a new nightmare, but I'd seen it recently enough. I mean, I guess it was probably like maybe like a year or two ago, but recently enough where I was like, yeah, I get it. And it's not, fully as we'll say fully into the mythos but you yeah know, I, I but i really wanted to watch the first uh six specifically because i hadn't any of them in a except for the first one in a really long time and i'd never ever in my life like watched them close enough you know to for some semblance of like it being back to back right so i could really pick up and like i said at the beginning i I had not realized just how tied together the movies are, especially three, four, and five, but really one through six, all the way through, you know, two is a little, is a little bit of a standout. Um, but it's, it's amazing to me how much of a through line there is through all of the movies. Uh, I really was not expecting to see that on the rewatch. So it just, it made, made this whole conversation a lot easier for me because Freddie's not my favorite, you know, horror movie icon. It's not my favorite franchise. Uh, yeah. Not, you know, not anywhere close to the bottom, but like, you know, this, it pales in comparison to, you know, some others um, that I like a lot better, like the evil dead franchise and Friday the 13th, obviously, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I don't, I don't, I don't know Freddie as well. You know, um, but I was I'm I was really, really excited about this. And yeah, man, this this went in some really, really cool directions. And, and I, I honestly uh, like this is what excites me so much about this show in particular is because we're discovering it in the same way the listeners will be like it's new to us because we're making it up as we go along and like feeding on that excitement of creation. And I and I love I love that dynamic that we have going in the show. And again, you, you said before, like Nightmare has always been my cup of tea. Now, Nightmare on Elm Street, I love the franchise. I watch Friday the 13th way more like it's because that's an easy franchise to just kind of put on and draw or put on and clean or do whatever. <laughs> um, but Nightmare on Elm Street has always been a favorite of mine. And and again, another kind of peek behind the curtain here. Um, the reason I've always been so fascinated with Nightmare on Elm Street and like the boogeyman and why the whole like boogeyman's closet and a lot of my my creative energies are devoted to the idea of a boogeyman are when i was a little kid i used to have reoccurring nightmares and one of the things it's it's kind of funny i've never been able to successfully draw what my own personal boogeyman was but it was like picture okay the gremlins we brought up gremlins multiple times on the show picture one of the gremlins from part one if it was like almost like inky black 
like where it almost like absorbed light mm-hmm. and had bright yellow eyes and just a mouth like the way Clive Barker paints Rawhead Rex. Like yeah. Just a really oversized like shark mouth. Um, and I used to have this dream about that monster trying to kill me. And I mean, I was like young. I was like maybe like eight or nine. And like my brother still brings it up to this day when we get together and talk about like childhood. He's like, did you have any more dreams about the weird gremlin thing? And I'm like, no, nah, dude, I haven't <laughs> dreamt about that since I was a kid. But I used to dream about it all the time. So, you know, when, when I, you know, had got to see the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, it was like, oh, crap. You know, like this idea of a, of a persistent dream monster always fascinated me. So I've I've loved this franchise through and through for that very reason that dreams are fascinating to me. And I love how you can do anything with the Nightmare movies. They're almost like a comic book. They're almost like a superhero thing. Like you can do whatever you fucking want. You know, like something like Jason, while it is pretty ridiculous. I mean, he did go all the way to space, but it's still grounded in reality. Nightmare on Elm Street, if you can think it, you can do it. Like, I mean, we had that freaking, what was it, as uh, an M.C. Escher, the, the stairs on top mm-hmm. of stairs thing. We had the freaking M.C. Escher sequence in part five. <laughs> yeah, you know? like, a, like in Labyrinth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like you can do anything in, in the Nightmare movie. So I was very excited to talk about this, and it did not disappoint. Like, I was, I was so happy with <laughs> where this went. And again, much like our Christmas the 13th, I'm sad I can't now sit down and watch it. I know, right? Oh, it's so good. I feel I feel like this could be a movie. It could be, you know, like a like a series, you know. It could it, there's there's it all depends on like how much we want to go into like the the Freddy plague, you know, the 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 night of the long nightmares or whatever you want right, to call it. Exactly. You know, like you could do so much with this and yeah, I'm super stoked about this. This to me I think is the of of the four episodes we've done so far. This is the one that I personally came into with the blankest of slates, you know. Yeah. Uh so I'm <laughs> I'm super excited that we came up with something uh that this cool and I am I, I gotta say like I'm more of a nightmare fan now than I think I ever was uh yeah. in just in terms of the franchise because there is so much to it. And yeah you know i'm a big comic book fan i love superheroes and you're right i i'll i'll mimic you know your your sentiments that as much as i love jason more than anybody uh in horror you know a, a part of why i like him is because you know there there are rules and yeah you can do technically whatever you want but you know there is a certain concept of what jason is and what his movies are like and even even jason x just put him on a on a spaceship but and did a jason movie and it was the same as all the other jason movies just <laughs> exactly. you know with liquid nitrogen you know and it was, but it was and, and robots <laughs> exactly why not um but yeah like you said with with freddie you can do anything and and they and you can it was obvious from movie to movie to movie with different directors and different screenwriters that they were just making this shit up as they went along and adding to the mythology. But it was always done with like respect to the previous movies Mm -hmm. and even some of the stuff they added that I thought was corny, you know, they were really trying to build a larger story. And, you know, other than comic books, I also love, you know, like fantasy and sci-fi novels. I love world building and so, you know, that's what I really took away from this is, you know, I, I, was, I was watching the movies recently and walking away with concept of who, concepts of who Freddy is, you know, that I never had before, which obviously fed into this conversation. So even though I didn't know where you were going with it, I had some ideas of like, well, if I could do Freddy, this is what I would do based on like what came before. Um, but not so much in terms of plot so much, but more in terms of like, what is Freddy, you know? Yeah. And, and that whole like uh, fear God thing is kind of what came out of that. 
And I, and I think that that's ultimately where it, where it needed to go, no matter how we we cut it. Because originally, like I said, when I, I, I was taking what Robert England said and the idea of having multiple people play Freddy and the only ones I really had in mind were Jackie Earl Haley, Robert England and David Warner, because I'm like, well, you know, we had the two that played him and the one that was supposed to play him. That would have been a lot of fun to have those three cameos. Um, but I was just thinking of Freddy as like the demon from a new nightmare, like where they're like, you know, Freddie is a demon. He is an entity. I love that we've created him as like another God. Like he is the fear God, you know, and he lives in the world of dreams, you know, yeah. um, and not, not to go. Cause I know we, we got to start wrapping things up, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, in our old uh, comic book universe that you and I had created, <laughs> we, we played a lot with, those those realms those ideas of heaven and hell and dreams and imagination and having those be ruled over and watched over by other entities outside Mm -hmm. of god and satan and i always like that i was always fascinated by the idea of having like this pantheon of Mm -hmm. various creatures or beings that all had their own set of rules and reasonings that still fit into the greater scheme of things but that, you know, you had to play within their realm. And I think that's what we, we did here with this fear. God is like, we, we used the rules laid out in the other films, you know, the having to, to be afraid, having to be, having to remember him, having to use family to give him power. Um, you know, like preying on, you know, the survivors and the people who have beaten him. Like mm-hmm. we, we played with all of those rules that they set up in the films while still doing something completely new uh to the franchise mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm really proud of this like I, I feel like that this is a a really fun concept for a freddy movie and i'm hoping that the audience is as entertained as i was because i had a blast talking about this heck yeah dude heck yeah and and you know we didn't we didn't take the time in this episode at the beginning to really explain like what night the nightmare franchise is or who freddy is like you said you mentioned it that we just assume that Everybody at this point probably already does. But if they don't, you know, obviously you check out The Boogeyman's Closet. You guys are going to talk about uh, or you have already at this point, you know, right. talked about uh, the first movie. And so you can kind of go there for for some groundwork and, then you know, watch the rest of them. If you haven't seen them, they're all good. New yeah. Nightmare, Freddy vs. Jason, the remake, you know, the original six. They really are. They're all good. You know, even, you know, they're corny fun. So, you know, pop some popcorn and have a good time. Um, and uh, I will say, go ahead, Mike. I was going to say, I will say, uh, and now that we have part one on the Boogeyman's Closet, I am going to be fighting tooth and nail to get part two on there because I am a huge avatar of that movie <laughs> or like champion of that movie, I should say. Um, I fucking love part two and I know it's hated by a lot of people or seen as like the point when Freddy jumped the shark, but like there was no shark to jump yet. Like there was no real mythos built yet. So uh, I, I feel like part two is a, an underrated classic horror film with some really interesting uh tropes and and like playing with the uh the expectations of an 80s slasher movie and like i could write a whole freaking college thesis on (laughs) nightmare 2 (laughs) because like it's just one of those movies that like man it really does it for me and little side note just fun for the for the listeners um i did get to meet mark Patton a couple years ago and the way I gushed, like I was just like <laughs> fanboy gushing. I think he thought that I was a, uh, a like a, a gay guy and attracted to him. Um, 
because like he gave me this big hug and then gave me a signed autograph for free of Jesse in the shower with the glove. <laughs> oh, you were hitting um, on him. But well, that's the thing, like, because Maurice always teases me. He's like, yeah, dude, he, th- he thought you were hitting on him. And I'm like, I mean, I mean, I, I, whatever. <laughs> like, I, I don't really care because he's awesome. And I love that movie. Um, but yeah, because I just went off on the whole, like, I love how it turns the tropes on its ear. And, you know, I, I loved the story and I love the whole idea of Freddie, like Freddie needing a human avatar and all that. And he's just like smiling ear to ear the whole time I'm talking. And he's like, you know, you know, when it came out, a lot of people didn't really like it. And I'm so happy that, you know, it, it it's found its fans, like people like you and yada, yada. And then he like stood up and gave me this big hug. And then like, he was like, you know what? He's like, hold on. And he signed this autograph and handed it over to me. And like he was, <laughs> he was really cool. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Like, so what if I was sitting on him? Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> like, or he sees me and I'm like, and? <laughs> yeah. So fun fact uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 was the first one that I ever saw. So for oh, wow. me, that really was what Freddy was originally. And the origin story and like the little visit that Jesse and Lisa take to like the boiler room and the sequence at the end with the pool party to me are still like they are early horror movie memories for me. Those sorts of like uh, foundational memories that kind of, you know, like uh, form how you think about horror movies. And so when I think of nightmare, I think of part two more than anything else, because again, that was my first one. Um, So I'll say, unless someone else has a better claim on it than me, uh, I'm calling the guest spot on part two because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I I may not gush about it as much as you do, but like I said, it was a really important movie to me, and hell yeah, I love the hell out of it. And for years, I have been defending what a great movie that is to so many people who hate on it. Okay, so before we run out of time here, because we are on a limit today, uh, we always run long, uh, <laughs> we, ha- we, ha- we have to go back and fulfill the promise to kill a Santa Claus. We have to kill a Santa Claus. Yes. So in our first episode, as I mentioned, Christmas the 13th, we had uh, we envisioned an entire uh, sequel slash reboot of Friday the 13th, where it's Jason in the snow, Jason at Christmas time. And we had some pretty, I thought some pretty cool, <laughs> like Christmas-related kills with yep. like, you know, with icing and Christmas tree and decorations and like wrapping up a guy like a joint <laughs> <laughs> in wrapping paper and burning him. It was so good. But yeah, Count Creepy himself was right in pointing out uh, an egregious oversight on our part, which is that we did not kill a Santa Claus. So, Mike, you said you had an idea. Yeah, well, I was thinking, OK, we, we have the whole party cabin that we were talking about. So we we could make it as simple as he's the guy that gets wrapped up in the wrapping paper, you know, because he went out, he was out in the car for whatever reason. Maybe he was dressing up like Santa and being like, ho, 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 and comes in with like weed and booze, you know, <laughs> we we could totally do that, like as simple as that and have Jason be like, fuck you and wrap him up and throw him <laughs> in the fire. Um, but I, I mean, we we could we could do something like that. Um, or we could have like maybe another one of the cabins like the the. Um, we mentioned there's other families around, you know, mm-hmm. maybe we could have something like a Santa. <laughs> oh, this is terrible. Okay. So have a Santa climbing up a ladder to like the, the window of his kids, like the window on the, on the, of the kid's bedroom in the cabin. He's going to sneak in like, you know, oh, I'm going to wake him up with Santa Claus. And like Jason sees him and just like climbs up the ladder behind him. <laughs> oh God. It's so just, scary. <laughs> like, smashes his face through the window 
Because we've done that in a lot of Friday the 13th where he just like pushes someone through a window and kills them. Yeah. <laughs> he like smashes their face in, and then we just like close up on like Santa dad screaming with like shards of glass in his face. His kids wake up to see this fucking monster yank oh, him back out of the window and throw him. <laughs> and maybe like he's left holding part of the Santa costume. And Jason just looks at it with that confused dog look. And they climb oh, yeah. back down the ladder and walks away. Oh, man, that'd be awesome. <laughs> like the Santa hat gets caught on his, like, machete handle or something. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, dude, and it's such, a, it's, a, it's, it's such a cool reference to the the classic uh, 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 Tales from the Crypt episode, right? With yes. uh, was, it all, all, was it All Through the House? Is that what it's all called? All Through the House, yep. uh, Yeah, yeah. Where, 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 like, the little girl, like, the, the, the crazy escaped uh, lunatic Santa is, like, you know, trying to signal to her through the window, you know? Yep. <laughs> And she's like, reach, Santa, reach. And he's trying to get up there. (laughs) And there's also in in Silent Night, Deadly Night, uh, the Santa Mm -hmm. that climbs through the window and the cops think it's Billy. And they they Mm -hmm. go and they they pull the gun on him. And it's like, oh, it's just Santa dad. Like, womp, womp. (laughs) Speaking of characters named Billy in movies. So. We're going with your idea because I love it, and we're gonna traumatize some kids. And we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna smash a Santa dad's face, and and then we get to have that great like you know cockeyed or cockheaded like puppy dog look, which is <laughs> so so perfect. So I was I was gonna be like, well, what if there's like a Santa dad who's like climbing up on the roof of one of the houses, like he's gonna go in through the chimney, right? And oh. Jason just sees it. We're not doing this, but Jason just sees it. He walks into the house like all nonchalant, like, what's up? You know, and then the family that's in there just sees him scream. They just go run and scream and like, holy shit. And he just <laughs> walked. He walks straight in, walks like forward to like the fireplace and just lights the fire and then turn around, turns around and walks out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's hilarious, too. Because I, w- I was thinking of Gremlins <laughs> with uh, what's her face? Uh, oh, know. yeah, Phoebe Cates. Yeah, Phoebe Cates or her story of her dad getting trapped in the. So that's that's when I think of killing the Santa, I'm like, how do I get how do I get the Phoebe Cates story in there somewhere? <laughs> oh my god, that's freaking hilarious! <laughs> but it's very out of character for Jason to just like walk in and walk out. But it would be it would be pretty it would be pretty funny. <laughs> oh, yeah, that would be that would be fucking hilarious. Oh my god, <laughs> like just fucking roasting dad in the, in the chimney. <laughs> like, well, got places to go. <laughs> He just continues on his merry slaughtering way. Exactly. Oh, oh man. Oh jeez. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, good. <laughs> so uh, while we are on the topic of corrections for previous episodes, I want to mention uh, two on our third episode, uh, Goonies Two. I was making a dumb mistake multiple times through the movie. I don't remember what episode the Boogeyman's Closet it was, but like, I remember you, you having to come on afterwards and be like, I don't know why I kept saying the wrong word, like over and over again. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but I was doing the same thing. So the character's name is Chester Copperpot. The yeah. character who is the, the, the deceased uh, explorer that the kids were following in the footsteps of, they find his body crushed under a rock and from the Batman comics, the penguin is yep. Oswald Cobblepot. And I kept like mixing and matching those names back and <laughs> forth the whole freaking time. I don't know why, but it's Chester Copperpot and I am not stupid, I swear. You know, you know what's <laughs> funny about that is the first time you said it on the episode, I went, oh shit, maybe I, 
am I remembering that wrong? And like, cause I was like, I know like you're a way bigger Goonies fan than I am. Like, I love the movie, but we've talked about this before that like, that's up there for you. So mm-hmm. I, I started questioning like, Oh shit, I think I got it wrong. So I didn't say nothing. And like, I just let, and like, I didn't pick up on it any other time other than that first time you said it. But I was like, his name is Oswald. I thought it was just, you know, shit, <laughs> so I just, yeah, I totally like was just like, I'm, I'm going to keep shut. <laughs> you know, the same way, same way Maurice did instead of like correcting me. He was like, maybe he's saying something. I don't know. I was, <laughs> you know just, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I that, don't know. That, that's funny, but that's, that's the fun thing about podcasts. And I think anyone listening to these types of, uh, these types of, uh, entertainments are going to know that. Yeah. With a podcast, you know, it's just like any other radio show. Sometimes you're going to have a, a screw up here and there. You know, sometimes you can edit it out. Other times you can't. So, hey, it is what it is. You know, it, it makes it unique. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I thought it was funny, but then I'm like, oh, God, like, I'm going to slap. It's like I was just face palming. Like, and what's funny yeah. is I listened to the episode like three times before I even noticed it. Like, because, of course, I listened to it and then I was editing it and I listened to like the final version to make sure that it was good. And then, and then it wasn't until afterwards that I was thinking about the movie, and I'm like, ah, oh, it's fucking Chester, like, <laughs> like, dude, I've done that so many times in in the 126 episodes as of this recording of the Boogeyman's Closet, um, well, numbered episodes. There's like over 150 if you count specials, but there have been so many times where I'm I'm just gabbing away. And I don't realize it until after I'm listening back and I'm just like, fuck, stupid, stupid, stupid. You know, it's like I miss misspeak or I quote something wrong or I have the wrong actor attributed to something. I, I've done it countless times. <laughs> and it'll yeah. Even in this episode, I can think of at least two places where I was like, oh, yeah, in part four, they did this and it was totally in part five or the other way around or, you know, whatever. Like yeah. I, make, I mixed up which one it was. So, oh, I'm sure don't... I did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Don't add us like we're 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 making this up as we go along. All right. <laughs> Give me a break. Yeah, we like li- literally my notes uh, are are it just says Freddy survivors. And then I have like a bullet point list of the people who survived and what movie they're from. And then written in pen at the bottom is 1070 Elm Streets across the country. Like yeah. that's all the notes I came into this with. <laughs> My notes consist of the first paragraph of the Wikipedia entry on the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise that I just copied so I could have the year correct uh, <laughs> and, and a little description in case I needed to read one off just in case. That was it. Even, yeah. even I, I normally even mention like what category, if it's going to be like a lost footage movie or like a final chapter or whatever. My notes for the category say, OK, so today's category is three question marks because I just figured we would fill it in <laughs> at some point. <laughs> I mean, I guess this would I don't know, like th- this isn't a final chapter. So I'm trying to think like this because this would be a sequel. Um I guess it's a lost footage because it's just yeah. like, uh, you know, it's just more, just more movie that we never got, you know? Yeah. Like, something which, that we, we wish we did. Yeah. I mean, it's really, it's, it's just like a Christmas, the 13th episode, you know, and you know, you behind the curtain again, you know, you and I kind of discussed like, do we really want to go back and like do this like so soon? Like it's horror again. And it's the yeah. sequel again. Like we just did that, but you know, it's a birthday special and you said you had a cool idea. So I was like, screw it, man. We're just going to go with it. Like we're going to have some fun, you know? And I don't no idea what our next episode is going to be about yet. We haven't really discussed it, but yeah. tr- hope, hopefully a total genre twist. It'll be an action movie or a comedy or you know whatever. Like we'll see, we'll see like what the what what strikes our fancy. There is another 
uh, horror slash like sci-fi uh, property mm-hmm. that that we're kind of we are kind of prepping for a little bit more, I think. Yeah. Um, but other than that, like it's just we have a whole list of ideas and we're just gonna you know do whatever whatever's cool. Well, at I the mean, time. you th- you figure we we did uh, we started with a horror, went to a uh, you know a comedy uh, raunchy comedy franchise, and then to a family friendly comedy, and now back to a horror franchise. Um, so yeah, we got to get some action in there, you know, maybe, uh, maybe some television stuff thrown in there, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep changing it up from episode to episode. Um, I can almost guarantee we will never do two of the same type in a row. <laughs> Probably so. not. Yeah. Not unless there's some like, you know, some really a good reason. If we had a really, really yeah. good reason, sure. But yeah, we'll try to avoid that. I, I don't really think we'll ever get to that point. But like you said, there's there's a there's a game topic that I want to get to that we've talked about. You know, there's yeah. a t- there's a couple of TV topics that came up. Um, I actually just added one to the list. I don't even remember what it was. That's why we have a list. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, Mike, you've got to go. So I am just gonna jump in and say, hey, you know, thanks everyone for listening. And if you want more of the same then you know obviously you can find us on social media you can visit me specifically uh most places i'm the strasberg uh i tend primarily use uh, instagram where i post about my comic book collection and i try to get people to nerd out with me about 90s comics uh so if that's you hit me up uh and speaking of comics i also uh, run comics boost uh where i spotlight crowdfund campaigns for comic book projects that i think deserve to become reality uh, there's horror, fantasy, sci-fi, superheroes, you name it. So if that sounds cool to you and you've got some cash burning a hole in your virtual pocket, check it out at Comics Boost on Instagram and Twitter. Just spell comics with an X. And one more I should mention, which is the Rad Pantheon. Uh, Mike and I are teaming up with some other podcasters, artists, and musicians in a sort of art collective where we support each other's creative projects and share our followers because we figure if you like one of us, then you might like the others too. And we can spread the word about rad stuff. So right now the website is in progress, but you can find links to all the members at radpantheon.com. What about you, Mike? Uh, Well, as mentioned several times in this show, uh, I'm one of three hosts for the Boogeyman's Closet. Uh, it's a weekly horror podcast where we have, you know, votes on our uh, on what we cover for each each month. But, uh, yeah, just check out the Boogeyman's Closet at both Facebook, Instagram and uh, at Boogeyman's The on Twitter. Um, we also have Patreon if you guys are interested in, in more episodes and behind the scenes. Um, then I also am a co-host on Count Creepyhead Saturday Morning Monster Mash. Uh, if you like to listen to three grown man children talk about toys and very inappropriate humor, we're your podcast. Um, so check us out on <laughs> countcreepyhead.com or countcreepyhead on Facebook and Instagram uh, for all sorts of fun stuff, especially like how to win some toys and and, and cool prizes. Um, and then Zarakis on Instagram is where I post all my artwork. It's Z-A-R-A-C-I-S. It's also the same on TikTok if you guys want to watch videos of me uh, drawing. And um, then Mike Alvarez on Etsy is where I sell a bunch of my uh, artwork and prints. Awesome. Yeah, I'll say that the TikTok uh, is really fun. I love the music that you choose as the the soundtracks for the 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 Watch Me Draw videos. Thank and you. Uh, yeah, and, and you know, Count Creepyhead is uh, a really fun web uh, podcast. I will also plug that. Uh, I am not a toy collector <laughs> at, <laughs> at all. I, I don't 
get half the stuff that you guys talk about, but I have my own like nerd niche of like stuff that I collect. So like I understand the mentality and I just love to listen to people who like love stuff, just talk passionately about it and like just nerd out and like get into like the crazy little nitty gritty details to me that that's the good shit, you know, whatever it is you're talking about. So, oh, hell yeah. uh, check out Count Creepyhead. It's a lot of fun. And uh, with that, thanks everyone once again for tuning in to the Raised by Rentals program. We already talked a lot about social media, but you can find more about this show all over the socials at uh, Raised by Rentals or RaisedByRentals.com. And we would love to get some more feedback. So whatever podcast app you prefer, leave a rating, leave a comment, let us know what you think and what we should improv improve next time. And with that, I'm Josh. I'm Mike. And we have to return some videotapes. Raised by Rentals is a member of the Rad Pantheon Network. Visit radpantheon.com to support Rad Stuff. The theme music is Forbidden Fruit by Velvet Bethany. You can purchase music and learn more at velvetbethany.com. Ha <laughs> ha